Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. Look at the IMP's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm here, Darren. I'm here. And what more could <laughs> we possibly ask I'm for? Fr- freshly showered. Um, I, I, I did um, kind of uh, make, make misjudgment on how long it takes to shower. <laughs> but uh, how are you, Darren? I'm grand. So yeah, you, you just got back from kind of, you know, your assignments. You're now ready to do some teaching, some quality classwork, some coursework. Exactly. You've got your tie on. You've got a room full of students paying apt attention while you talk about like Neolithic tombs. That's exactly what we're going for here. <laughs> yes! A university level course where it's like, <laughs> Neo. <laughs> Neo meaning new and lithic <laughs> meaning stone. Okay, that's uh, about it, guys. I'll yeah, see you that's next it. week. That'll be on the sorry, midterms. Sorry, I'll take a part. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting As- into it. As listeners may have noticed, we are talking about Indiana Jones. We're talking about the Indiana Jones trilogy or four sets of movies uh, over the course of this season that we're running right now. Um, we have to wait to, for next year for the fifth, is it? For, yes, the next one is arriving. The fifth movie is arriving next year. So we're going to get in on that SEO early. So we are doing what we are calling an Indiana summer because this is August. Huh? And joining us for this conversation, joining us for all four episodes, we have a special guest co-host, the one from Mr. Tony Black. How are you, Tony? I'm not too bad, guys. It's nice to be here. I do have a question for you. Didn't you guys ever go to Sunday school? No, actually. <laughs> no. We, 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 um, that, that was not a feature of, of our... Um, at least I, mine. I did, actually, I did, did actually you? in Ghana. In Ghana, I did. In before Ghana. Communion. Before communion, we had to do special courses in the church, yes. Oh, what? Really? what? Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, Very, like, relatively devout there, yeah. I, I didn't. Um, so I've learned everything I know about the Bible from Indiana Jones. So thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. So Bible scholar and expert Tony Black joining us as co-host on all four episodes. And we have a special guest to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark in particular, the wonderful, wonderful Mr. Niall Murphy. How are you, Niall? I am very well. I'm mostly invited to Sunday school, but I was raised Irish Catholic, so therefore I have uh, I have all the shame in the world. <laughs> Lapsed Catholic, the state religion, it turns out. Um, so before we jump into this, um, the idea of doing the four Indiana Jones movies kind of came from talking to Tony, because we're getting towards, hopefully, towards the end of the pandemic. We're going to be going back to doing stuff in person. You know, we're not going to be recording podcasts indoors remotely, hopefully forever. Um, so as that's coming up, we said we should reach out to several of our international guests and say what would they like to talk about what would they like to come on the show and have a conversation about and it came up indiana jones in particular i think you suggested raise the lost ark or the last crusades the two indiana jones movies that are on the list what was it about those movies that kind of jumped out at you why did you say of all the movies on the list that i can talk about i want to talk about those and not say i don't know a beautiful mind because i am shamelessly a an old school blockbuster junkie <laughs> you know and i love i love talking about these 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 kind of things particularly indiana jones because i grew up watching these films and raiders is i think and i'm sure we'll get into this but he's probably considered objectively the best by many people the indiana jones film my favorite is last crusade and uh so so when i saw the list i was like oh, somebody's got to do these and it might as well be me um yeah because i think you Famously, Tony is a man who podcasts a lot. You run your own podcast network and you've at several points pitched ideas for shows that haven't necessarily materialized yet, let's say. They, ne- they never will, pick- Darren. They never will. This is what I do. <laughs> this is I'm more an ideas man. That will never happen. Yeah. 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 Um, 
keep, but I do, uh, keep an ear out for <laughs> but I, I do remember at one stage you wanted to do the entire Spielberg filmography I think at mm. one stage you wanted to do like Spielberg from beginning to end and I remember you asking me what I wanted to cover and I said Poltergeist and you said shut up Darren um, but, I, <laughs> <laughs> but like is Spielberg like a definitive blockbuster director for you when you talk about those old school blockbusters yeah he is he is we just as a sidebar we might still do that show actually because we are doing one on Michael Mann soon on the network so um, a, fil- a filmography sort of director's podcast so you know Spielberg we might get to one day but yeah he is he is for me you know I mean you, apart from the Indiana, Indiana Jones films you want to go look at stuff like Jurassic Park which I think was the first film I saw about three or four times in the cinema when I was like 11 years old you know it, 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 as well as things like Hook you know around the same time and just on and on and on all the things he's done going back to Jaws you know Close Encounters and so yeah he is there are obviously lots of other people who've done what would be considered the classic blockbuster, you know, in obviously George Lucas with Star Wars and what those films became, but Spielberg's the the Mac Daddy of this. And I don't think with maybe one or two exceptions, you can do any better, really. And our guest, Niall, uh, when we had you on uh, late last year talking about Citizen Kane, you suggested like Citizen Kane was possibly your second favorite movie of all time. And when we asked you what your favorite was, I think you said Raiders, or at least Raiders was in the conversation. Is that fair to say? No, Raiders is is my favorite film. It, it, by a country mile, it, and it will be forever. It, <laughs> uh, Raiders soundtracked my wedding. We sat at the Raiders table. Amazing. In, <laughs> at my wedding. You didn't sit uh, at the Temple of Doom table where you could just like put something in the middle and kind of rotate it around. <laughs> guess, no? Yeah, no. Uh, shockingly, my guests didn't love monkey brains. <laughs> but more about that next week. Um, <laughs> Le- leave- leaving the ceremony was there a big boulder chasing after you? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was accompanied to the Raiders March. The Raiders March played as we walked down the aisle. Wonderful. Um, I love so, that. Yes. So it was, uh, you yeah, know, it's a huge part of my life. The, the poster uh, hangs in my bathroom. <laughs> because- we cool. one from from Harry Potter because that's the the love of my wife's life. So you know, <laughs> the, the two are together. Uh, Damn it! If only if only Rowling had convinced Spielberg to do. Was it Rowling who wanted Spielberg to do yeah, uh, Harry Potter? It's awkward explaining that like Nazi memorabilia is actually just Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> but that is why, that is why when Marvel decided to do their World War II movie, they're very careful to say this is Hydra and not not the Nazis. <laughs> it makes it easier to sell toys in Germany. But but Niall, do you remember the first time that you saw Raiders? Like, is it was has it always been part of your life, or do you have a specific memory attached to it? I would have been seven or eight years of age, and it would have it would have been. Around the time the Last Crusade came out in the cinema, I would have saw Raiders on VHS, and um, yeah, it was it just blew me away as a as a child. I was like, "Oh my God, this this man's running around and he's having the most fun ever, and he's killing Nazis!" Oh no, there's ghosts. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that in terms of like ragging pulp stuff. It's like you get Nazis, you're like, "Yep, yeah, this is prime pulp." And then Spielberg and Lucas just go one step further, and it's like, "Yes, this is this is like the platonic ideal uh, of it." Um, and Andrew, actually, because I, I, this is kind of interesting because I have, we had, because Andrew and I occasionally talk about movies outside the context of recording it for Sometimes public consumption. Sometimes even talk outside <laughs> yeah. the context of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have a bit of a spoiler for this one and I'm, I'm, I was a bit surprised to hear it. But Andrew, what about yourself and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones? Do you have any particular like emotional or childhood attachment to the concept or how do you feel about the movies in general? 
really sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I remember them and I guess enjoying them, but finding as I grew up that there wasn't really anything for them. For, for for me in them or having that feeling anyway so it's interesting to kind of rewatch now with a, a more kind of maybe active watch to see kind of like is that true is there is there is there interesting stuff um is there are there things that i like about this because i mean it, it in 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 some ways in some ways it ought to be kind of in 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 my wheelhouse as as a kind of an 80s 90s kid um and i guess it was but i i, I don't think as an adult it's really kind of um resonated an with important you. movie for me um no no it, it, i it, i do it, love it, that it, by I, the way I, I don't want to i don't want this to be one of those things where the person who knows least about movies is saying but well, let me tell you what i think <laughs> and it's actually not good um nerds uh, um nerd yes yeah 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 so, you can get um, a nice uh, guardian column they'll give you a load of space and suddenly you'll be the most vilified person on the internet <laughs> they, yeah they, I, I can imagine I don't know who that was but that was I Scott Tobias yes oh yeah okay I was imagining David Mitchell. You know, <laughs> why is everyone so interested in Indiana Jones uh, no, he actually shared the link, which he shared like some of the emails that he had with the editor, where the editor reached out to him and said, so Shrek is turning 20. Would you like to write something about that? And Scott Tobias replied, I don't actually like Shrek all that much. And the editor said, great, we need a thousand words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about Shrek lately, weren't we? Earlier this um, at the start of the summer um, about uh, spirited how, away. Like, and yeah. how it introduced, it invented irony. It did not invent irony, but it popularized <laughs> irony it in blockbusters. No, Alanis Morissette invented irony. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. yeah, I really do think. Um, the irony. Yeah. Um, yeah, she had that in her pocket. Um, <laughs> and was the other was the other hand giving out a five? Um <laughs> I was holding jagged little pill, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, this is this is again, this is kind of interesting. A nice recurring motif at the two fifty is whenever Darren goes to the hassle of putting together like a season, a long form season of of doing movies. It's almost as if it's punishment for me being a terrible (laughs) 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 cop. I inevitably inevitably (laughs) realize after I've organized it and arranged all the guests and lined up all the scheduling that Andrew's like, actually, you know what? I don't want to spend like eight consecutive hours talking about this thing thank you very much the, the podcast is like like you do things that you don't, <laughs> you don't want, want to. <laughs> sorry but to be fair no, I, you know what in fairness the la- last season uh, with the um the the three the months of scorsese, of scorsese <laughs> yeah um uh was uh Parts of it were fun. I enjoy. I um. I I got to see movies that I that I hadn't seen before. Some of them I didn't like. Um. Some of them I did. I love Kundun. Um. But I I kind of knew I'd like Kundun anyway. Yeah. And, you chose and, and, to do Kundun. Like exactly. that was <laughs> it. Like like it. It's encouraged me to seek out um some of those more um quiet um, uh Scorsese movies like Silence. Yeah. How have you seen Silent? Okay, this is I not a Scorsese season two point oh. All right, all right. <laughs> not yet. And it, it, it was an age of innocence for poor Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, for for myself, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones. I think this is interesting because we we cover Star Wars every Christmas, and I think Andrew and I have both talked about how we were not Star Wars kids growing up. I think we were more Star Trek kids, to be fair. So we yeah. always had this kind of curio- anthropological curiosity of coming to Star Wars, which is like we didn't love this as kids. Let's try and understand it or make sense of it. Um, I, I'm I'm wondering, Darren. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I'm wondering to what extent does this um uh, Indiana Jones kind of um Lucas true line maybe account for some of my uh distaste for the Indiana Jones um franchise um and because I I I guess like we'll talk about it later on in more depth when we talk about you know the Temple of the, Doom the themes and 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 yeah and and the well yeah yeah sorry Temple of Doom <laughs> is probably going to be a Sin Eater it's episode like of George this four Lucas episode also season. Made the yeah. prequels. <laughs> 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 it's that it's, it's that movie. Um, but um, the yeah did it'll it'll be interesting to see. But like like for yourself, Darren. Sorry, I think you were about to get into it, but what. Did you have the same kind of reaction as I did? And do you think that's maybe for the same reason that we like spoke no, about around I was, Star Wars? I was, I was actually about to say almost the opposite. Star, uh, Like Indiana Jones was my childhood. I mentioned that like Star Wars was something that my dad liked. And I kind of went with my dad to the cinema to see the re-releases. Not to placate him because that sounds really patronizing, patronizing my dad. But it was like they were a big deal to him emotionally. They meant a lot to his childhood. So I was like, yeah, I should see these things that my dad likes and understand them. And maybe understand my dad, you know, through that's them as well. That's why you wear sweaty khakis. <laughs> to understand my dad um <laughs> but um like indiana jones was something different that came to me through my grandfather who i think we've talked about in the podcast before is like the guy who or the man who basically like codified a lot of what i love about movies he showed me the shining when i was eight years old and that pretty much like explains everything <laughs> that you need to know about darren as a human being um <laughs> It's like, today we're going to learn about auteurs and we're going to learn about nightmares, Darren. I hope you enjoy both. Um, Darren's love of twins comes from there as well. (laughs) We're going to put a pin in that because we are going, unfortunately, to have to come back to that later on um, in the context of Raiders. But uh, yeah, no, it was something that my granddad showed me and he showed me the three Indiana Jones films. And I have this kind of like, I do have this nostalgic childhood affection for them. And I do have this affection for Spielberg in general, like Tony mentioned. I think when we've talked on the podcast before about like, say, Kubrick, and I think Andrew is a bigger fan of Kubrick than I am. I admire and appreciate Kubrick, but I I don't, I find myself put off by some of like the snarky cynicism and despairing of the human condition. I am very much a Spielberg kid in that I have that sentimentality and that earnestness and that sense of wonder and awe that Spielberg brings to to film. So this is kind of like very much a formative text for me as a kid. So going back to it is kind of interesting as well and approaching it as an adult and seeing it in the context of everything else that was happening. Uh, but yeah, before we talk about the movie in a bit more depth, just a little bit of kind of production context or background material. According to all accounts, and again, this is interesting Andrew mentioned George Lucas. We're probably going to have to talk about the push and pull between Lucas and Spielberg. But basically, the the genesis of the idea is that Lucas, around the same time he came up with Star Wars, which was obviously an homage to the serials that he used to watch as a child, he thought about doing something similar with an archaeologist and doing something similarly pulpy. Um, And apparently, he suggested to Spielberg when both of them were holidaying in Hawaii in like May 1977. 
uh, where, you know, Lucas was waiting to hear the, the box office figures coming back from Star Wars. The box office figures were amazing. And it was like, yep, I get to continue making movies forever. So he goes down to the beach. He's kind of chatting with Spielberg. Apparently, the two of them are literally building sandcastles together on the beach <laughs> while Lucas is kind of pitching Spielberg on this idea he has for a movie that will be like the old Republic serials about an archaeologist. And at that stage, what? Lucas... What kind of sandcastles do we know? Death Star. The Death Star. Yeah, <laughs> Spielberg <laughs> describes it as a monumental sandcastle. So apparently it was quite a pitch. Apparently it was a very long pitch. But the two of them were talking on the beach. And apparently at that stage, this is this is Spielberg's telling of it. uh, Lucas had, I think, Philip Kaufman pegged as the guy who was going to direct as a protege. And then a couple of years later, according to Spielberg, Lucas rings him up and says, actually, you know what? Would you like to do this? Would this be something that you would like to do, Stephen? Because you seemed interested in the idea. And Stephen says, yes, sure. What Spielberg's account tends to gloss over or omit is that a lot happened in Spielberg's career between 77 and 80 when he shot this. In se- in the mid-70s, Spielberg obviously did Jaws, he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, both big box office hits, both huge critical hits, both of which established him as a kind of a critical and commercial wonder kind. The future of American cinema, part of the new Hollywood movement, along with everybody. We talked about Scorsese, uh, Friedkin, um, obviously uh, other people like Lucas as well. But in 1979, he directed 1941. Uh, which is famously one of the worst regarded films in his filmography. It is directed from a script by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. It is a comedy set in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor about American anxieties like in December 1941 leading up to the new year. And it's a spoof of patriotism. It's a spoof of kind of how American militarism, except Spielberg doesn't really nail it because Spielberg's not the director you hire to do that. It gets terrible reviews. Um, It's described as joyless, I think, by Paulina Kael at The New Yorker. Um, It doesn't do well commercially. It doesn't flop. It still turns a profit. And he's very, like, every time they ask Spielberg about it, he's very clear to say it did turn a profit. Uh, but it dented his career and it dented his trajectory and stuff like that. And around the same time you look around Hollywood, you have stuff like, say, Friedkin doing Sorcerer, which we talked about last year with Tony. It bombing at the box office, uh, I think, the weekend after Star Wars came out. You have things like, say, Heaven's Gate happening. You know, we talked about, like, uh, Scorsese. He did New York, New York in 1977. It bombed and tanked his career. And so you have this idea that everything is is coming tumbling down. All of the movie brats are going to have to figure out what they're doing and where they're at. And it it's always seemed to me that like Raiders has been Spielberg saying, well, look, after 1941, I need to realign myself and to demonstrate that I can make a big populist film that comes in under budget, comes in ahead of schedule and makes a shed load of money. It made 20 times its budget back. Um And it's interesting because when you talk about these movies as Spielberg movies, there's always a bit of push and pull with it, where Spielberg, I believe, only took 25% of Lucas's fee for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Only 25% of the back end compared to what Lucas took, for example. Spielberg has also, when it comes to, let's say, the more controversial entries in the franchise, such as Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull, has tended to describe himself sometimes as a director for hire on those. He said, oh, no, 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 Lucas, Lucas was the visionary. I kind of, you know, I was behind it. I supported it entirely. But I wonder if I should have pushed back a bit harder against Lucas on some of that stuff. And I do kind of like, Raiders really feels like Spielberg saying, actually, the 80s have arrived. I can work in this new 
paradigm in Hollywood as it's happening in the in the early 80s, uh, which is kind of interesting in terms of that. Is that fair to say, Tony, Niall? Well, I, I think that it's interesting because uh, much as yes, I recognise that George Lucas was a big part of of this. I never really think of him as the guy behind this, in a way. To me, this feels like Spielberg through and through. I can see, obviously, Lucas's hand and input, but I never get the sense that in any of these films, really, that this isn't Spielberg's talent and Spielberg guiding the screenwriters and all this kind of thing. And I think with Raiders, the great thing about Raiders is, is that he manages to bring in the the influences from the 1970s sort of American new wave or tourism that he was involved in in a way, or he was on the fringes of us, I guess, really, in some senses, um, you know, maybe compared to people like Scorsese or um, Coppola, you know, who were creating these diff- slightly different kind of films. Spielberg was there and he was involved, but it was slightly different. And he feels like he's melded together with Raiders. Those sensibilities, they were a little bit more edgy and a little bit more rough around the edges. Raiders has that, that the other, maybe Temple of Doom has it in a way, but Raiders feels a little bit more, in a good way, sort of ragged and edgy in a sense that the other films don't, I think. The other Indiana films, Indiana Jones films don't. And that's not a criticism in any way. It feels like there's a bit of hardness to Raiders in some senses, but at the same time, there is that blockbuster sensibility. There is that post-Star Wars sensibility of it being big and colourful and bright and a bit silly in some senses. But I think that's what it does brilliantly. Well, I think it's interesting like to contrast this with, say, like, so after Spielberg's failure with 1941, which is comparable to, say, um, Scorsese's failure with New York, New York, um, you have, like, on one hand, Scorsese looks at Raging Bull and says, I just want to get this out of me. I may never work again. He describes it as his kamikaze film. It's like, this is the purest essence of everything that I want to do. And I find it interesting that Spielberg goes then and goes to Lucas and Lucas's original idea and kind of like goes, no, I want to make a populist blockbuster that shows that I can still make a movie that is, and again, this was shot, I think, in 73 days. Populist. This is populist, yeah. <laughs> no, but it, as in... in, in uh... You mean that in in the anyway? No, I mean sorry, okay, sorry. accessible, <laughs> accessible, accessible not national popular. Um, not in the far right. No, I mean yeah, I mean no. in terms of like being accessible and being appealing to as broad an audience as possible. Like you look at Raging Bull. Raging I, Bull is not a sorry. friendly. Like Raging Bull is not an audience friendly movie, as I think we talked about last year. Whereas this is this is like you know cinema in its its broadest most like accessible form. And again, like you you look at things like. Working hard, he shot it in 73 days, which I think is still his second shortest shoot behind, is it Sugarland Express? Is that the the 55-day one he did with Goldie Hawn? Um, Like, which is remarkable when you look at the scale of production here. Managing to bring it in tight and on budget, this cost $20 million, which is tiny, even which is small, even by the standards of the time. I think, was it Normal People, the, the Best Picture winner around this time, cost $6 million, and that was a bunch of people sitting in a room crying at each other. Like, to get a sense ordinary of... Ordinary people. Ordinary people, sorry. Normal people is a very <laughs> Normal different... Normal people is a very popular... <laughs> <laughs> Still Slightly haven't different. seen that. People are, like, shocked that I haven't seen it. It's like, but, but you're from... Spago. Are you, uh, you, are you thirsty? Yeah. Are you thirsty, Andrew? Because if oh, you're thirsty, nice. you're going to love it. Um, but, okay. <laughs> but but Niall, what about yourself in terms of like positioning in terms of kind of Spielberg's career arc? Is that is that fair? Are we being fair to it, or is this? I, I think that's I think that's overreading it. Okay, he he 
definitely needed to, to it was a, it's a cathartic film he needed to do something a bit more fun a bit more actually a bit more commercial after what had happened with with 1941 but i don't think it was as willfully as this is a new decade we need to to position ourselves for a new decade i think that's okay. you know I don't, I don't i think that's more than i think you can read that into it but i don't think it was there okay. you know I, um the 70s and early 80s were much the same you know you didn't see that the turn of the of the century you don't see the turn of a decade until about three or four years into even it, with it. like heaven's gate and stuff like that i would have thought like the collapse united artists and stuff like that would be... the collapse of united artists was you know but that that was a, a shock to mgm and the, and the rest but what happened with this when, when it came to raiders nobody wanted it yeah he had to the, the universal what wouldn't have a bar of it yeah and it was it was Eisner at Paramount that eventually was the one that went with it because of and it was eighteen million that he originally budgeted it yeah. for. Um, it's very thankful. He, it feels like to Paramount. They both 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 movie, the movie that we'll be covering. I think it's next week. They both featured the the mountain, uh, the, uh, the Paramount logo transition. <laughs> which they totally don't need to do no. <laughs> how much a part of paramount but, this is or how much paramount is yeah a yeah it's kind of like um um it it feel it feels like either paramount saying like um you know, <laughs> can you put can you put this in your movie <laughs> or um spielberg saying i just want to kind of um give some props to to to, to paramount like it, it's a it's a funny thing you don't see in every movie, like like with the alien movies, you have a um a kind of a, a they do interesting things with the fox logo yeah. and the 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 the, the kind of um, uh, searchlight, but not 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 every movie is going to do that. Anyway, sorry, we do love a good logo gag. Movie. The Batman yeah. on uh, the Batman ones on the Warner logo yeah. as well with the searchlight, but um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. And it took them ages to they they went scouting for that mountain to make it match. Like so, they took them ages to find that um, the right mountain with the right angle for it. And so you know they they deliberately went out of their way to have that shot in there, which is which is interesting. Well, it did take There's them a while to find the mountain anyway. That was most of the seventy-three days. Yeah, <laughs> it was most just hunting in the jungle. Was, most of the seventy-three days was spent with dysentery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. again, another George Lucas idea to shoot in Tunisia because he'd had such a fun time doing Star Wars there. He was like, "Yeah, you guys will love it." And I think the story that like it was Spielberg was the only one who didn't get dysentery because he was just eating baked pins beans out of a tin. Or something like that. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Even apologies. better than <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, then, before we jump to the Spore Zone, three questions to get us started. So I'm going to ask Tony to go first. Actually, I'm going to ask Niall to go first as the guest. So, Niall, do you think that Raiders of the Lost Ark belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Yes, it belongs on a list of the one greatest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> like just as objective fact, like I love people normally hedge on this, but now it's like no best movie ever made. Um, and we'll expand on this in the spoiler zone. But do you want to give kind of like a teaser? What is it that makes this the best movie ever made? Unequivocally, um, all two hundred forty nine other episodes. Take your ball and go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The rest of no, us no. will 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 seed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 do you give a like a, a a, you know, a conclusive enough argument. For like, yeah, that's a fair. Yeah, <laughs> I got a blackboard. Would you care? Would you care to kind of like draw? Let's say Indiana, the state. Uh, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Uh, John's the cat from Alien. <laughs> <laughs> where, where the two me? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, I mean, it, it, because it, it, it's my favorite film of all time. Uh, it, so no, it's not, objectively, it's not the best film that's ever been made, but it is my favorite film of all time. Therefore, I'm biased in wanting it to be on in the top 250, but I still think it deserves to be there on the basis that it is the it is technically one of the top five films that Spielberg has made. And Spielberg is one of the greatest filmmakers that has ever lived. So on that basis, because it's one of his top five technically made films, it is deserving of, of being in there. Um, it is, it's joyous, which is not something that you get from an awful lot of movies. It's a joyous film that features Nazis. I mean, come on. <laughs> Take that, Jojo Rabbit. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, is, is it worth, like, in terms of talking about, like, its filmmaking, we'll probably talk more about its specifics in the spoiler zone, but it is, like, it's interesting you went to, like, Citizen Kane and Raiders of the Lost Ark, because it is... Like, it's virtuoso filmmaking. There's the famous thing that Steven Soderbergh did a couple of years ago, Raiders, where he set it in black and white. He rescored it. He stripped out the Williams score. He replaced it with, like, Trent Reznor and Atticus Rock's music. Uh, and he removed any sound or dialogue from it. Um, all to illustrate the argument that it is virtuoso filmmaking in terms of craft, in terms of technique, in terms of staging, in terms of composition, in terms of, like, action sequences, set pieces, in terms of conveying information to the audience visually. Very similar to it. We talked about, like, uh, Mad Max Fury Road earlier in the year, and that's got a similar argument of it being, like, pure cinema, a distillation of images that are narratives of themselves. Things like the use of silhouette, the use of shadows and stuff like that, the, the cinematography. It's, it's just a gorgeous piece of film. And it's it's an opera. In 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 its in its way, in, the, in it it plays with tone throughout. I mean, it, 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 through visual imagery, it has a it has its own score without the Williams score being there. It, it, it it's it's beautiful in the in the way that it go it plays up and down in in tone and in in uh, emotion throughout. I mean, it's it's like. It's like a really well put together mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that is how it was like scripted. And again, we'll probably talk about this when we get into the spoiler zone. Like, there's you can read the story conference online between uh, Kasdan, who was brought in to do the script writing on it, Lucas and Spielberg. And it's like a 90 page document of like all of them just throwing crazy ideas at one another. But the way in which the script for Raiders came about was like Lucas and Spielberg saying, we want this action sequence. Then we want this action sequence. There has to be a truck chase. We want a room full of snakes. We want a giant boulder. Um, this is the stuff that we want to have in the movie. And Kasdan, your job is to write the sequences that get us between those as quickly and as effortlessly <laughs> as possible. It is. Yeah, I think, and, I think you're totally right. Beautifully done yeah. as well, because they basically just took a map and drew two <laughs> lines between <laughs> us and then <laughs> moved from country to country. It is, it is simplicity itself. And it is, it is, it is the very fine art of of script writing. The the the, the classic show don't tell. Yeah. This quite literally shows he's here now. <laughs> now he's here on the map. Yeah. It, it couldn't be simpler. Um, and and Tony, what about yourself? Do you think that Raiders? Okay, since Niall has thrown down the gauntlet and up the ante, <laughs> Tony is Raiders the best movie ever made? Oh, uh... <laughs> softball um, question. So <laughs> Sorry, Niall, no, but <laughs> it's one of them. And it absolutely should be on the 250 list. Yeah, 100%, without a shadow of a doubt. 
It is probably if you it would it would be high up there if you had to pick the best blockbuster, the best pure cinematic like no I said joyous kind of adventure escapist movie with brains, with skill, with craft, with technique that doesn't patronize the audience. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful film yeah. on so many levels for all the reasons you've just described. So my answer is definitely and it would be fairly high up on my 250 list as well actually you mentioned like it being like the perfect summer movie it's notable that like last year during the pandemic when there were no summer blockbusters the los angeles times ran a kind of a premier league no not a premier league uh what's the thing where they knock each other out a bracket brackets they ran brackets uh, ah, yeah. of the kind of like best summer movies ever made and raiders ended up taking the crown um and mm, perhaps deservedly not so surprised which is, yeah. again, and beating movies like, say, Spielberg's Jaws, for example, uh, along the way, which is Andrew winced. Andrew physically winced <laughs> when I said that. Okay. okay, I guess we're going there. Andrew, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm not going to ask you, is it the best? Because I think we already know the answer. I'm going to extend the scope to 250. Play, we can go to 500. We can go to 750. Playground game. Playground game, Darren. Uh Shark beats archaeologist. <laughs> it's just like, you can't, uh, but the archaeologist like, has a whip. <laughs> shark eats shark bites. Shark bites hands that holds whip. Like, uh, the, um... But the thing is that in Jaws, quite definitively, the academic beats the shark. <laughs> he only survived thanks to reshoots. Yeah, yeah, like he only yeah. he only survived know, thanks yeah. to if, reshoots. Like if you if you do like academic, you beat you beat. Um, I yeah, I suppose I suppose <laughs> I suppose he's he's also an <laughs> Niall, I think I think I think you you you've proven it. This is better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I no, in, in fairness, the park in which you have a paleontologist beating a dinosaur, yep. the, and, and introduces us can... to like Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> the uh, Vin Diesel of the nineties. In fairness, <laughs> it's the it's the sheriff who beats the shark, and it's compressed gas. Um, and, <laughs> and they, 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 <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um it, it doesn't um uh doesn't Dreyfus swim away. He survives. Um, yes, he survives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the water with the shark. <laughs> he, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't defeat the shark. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> the, Jaws is is better. <laughs> it is. Um, wow. It, it, it's different. It's one. It, it's different. Like like it's probably not my favorite movie, but it's difficult to argue against it being like the epitome of the art. Difficult to argue against. Yeah, yeah. To to. It's difficult to say that a movie is better than Jaws. Um, and I think it's it's easier to say that that the movie is better than Raiders, than Raiders of the Lost Ark because um, I, I I disagree to an extent about how well it looks. I think the framing is great. I I, I agree um, with with a lot of what has kind of been said um, in that the way the way shots are composed. But there's a lot of kind of um, like bad effects, which is sometimes charming, but sometimes kind of janky. That 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 just kind of um, spoils this a bit for me. That the like 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 a lot of it is intentionally so, or at least it feels like it. It it couldn't have been an accident that it feels like a haunted house yeah. or like one of those. Um, I, I, it's rainforest adventure golf. 
in in Dundrum, <laughs> where it's like a crazy golf course where you put balls and like little Inca statues come out and that sort of thing. Um, the, so like the, that feels kind of like it's intentional, like you're meant to kind of get that this is a foam kind of a safe place for but but it's also like a really uh it's a it's a weird kind of a it's a weird tone at times like i'm 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 not i'm not a hundred percent that i would that i would put it on for like kids yes Um, we're gonna talk about that and we're also gonna talk about that next week as well and and if that's not what this is then um like I, I think, I think it, it's a good two fifty movie in the sense that, like, a lot of the voters on the I'm um, two fifty are English speaking um, uh, uh, white people in their thirties, um, and that this is kind of this is kind of like a movie f- for 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 them. I mean, it, 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 I'm sure, like, and there's a lot of people listening who won't be in that group. Um, who will say no? I love this movie as well, but it it feels like it's kind of of akin to some some of the other movies that are popular in the list. And it, it, it I I I don't I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's better than notable exceptions from the list, like RoboCop <laughs> or or Jaws. Um, and uh, the the yeah, I'll, I'll um, I'm going I'm going to say no. I I, I don't I don't think it. I'm I um I'm I'm sorry. No, I don't. I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, the Last Crusade. By the way, <laughs> I like that. So um, let's just get tuned back in a fortnight. That's like my kundu. Yeah. That's Anders' pick of the four. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, get to, we'll get to why we're covering Temple of Doom. And in it a feels moment. like more of a Spielberg yes. movie. Yes, as well. it does. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. The the, jo- the joke is the joke is that Raiders was the stunt movie, Temple was the special effects movie, and Last Crusade was the Spielberg movie. Is how the joke <laughs> typically goes. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, um, and it, 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 like it, it's no it's no kind of surprise either. Like 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 this is it feels like a Lucas movie because it's kind of um. Uh, I guess toyetic in some ways, but but also kind of um, theme parkification and yes. um, like there, there there's no kind of um, surprise that there's like that there's been a stunt show um, for um, Indiana Jones. Anyway, well, sorry. no, you're like you're you're not wrong. Like there's there's a line. Like again, it's worth sharing the kind of Raider story conference from 1978, which will be in our show notes. But you have, like, Lucas and Spielberg talking about the movie and what they want from the movie. And it's actually, like, Lucas says, I want this to be a showcase for stunts. And again, this gets back to that kind of, like, Mad Max stuff where we talk about it as a showcase for the medium and the art form and the craft and the technique. Because the stunts here are, like, jaw-dropping and impressive and, and amazing. But it's Spielberg actually says, it's like we're designing a ride at Disneyland. That's an actual quote. It's like we're designing a ride at Disneyland so I can I can understand where Andrew's kind of coming from with that I think perhaps you must be this um short otherwise you're going to get like done in the propellers <laughs> of a drive <laughs> well I mean the penitent man yeah. is, is humble before God Andrew the penitent man kneels um, um no it, it's interesting because it's um it, it, yeah anyway sorry not 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 for me. It's not. It's not an uninteresting movie, though, and it's not a bad movie either. Like just saying that it doesn't, that I don't think it it belongs on the top two hundred and fifty 
of ob- ob- objectively the best movies of all time. I think it belongs on this list. <laughs> Um, Which sounds, somehow sounds even worse. It sounds like a worse judgment. It's like, doesn't belong on like well, the yeah, best list, we, but the best list that we have. And it's like, yeah, sure. Frequently have guests come on and, and say, yeah, it's, <laughs> works we for ask you. them, yeah. like, does this belong on the top 250? It's like, on, on this list. Yes, on this list. Yeah, sure. Okay. It's full of crap. Okay. okay. <laughs> the, wow. the help is no longer the there. The help is gone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a solid argument for it. Um, it is not my favorite Spielberg movie. I do prefer uh, Jaws, for example, to pick, to pick an example. Uh, it's not my favorite Indiana Jones movie either, actually. My own personal favorite either. But I do think it's the one that has had the most cultural impact. I think it's the one that is the best made. I think it's one of the best blockbusters ever made. I think as a propulsive of Andrew mentioned kind of the theme park ride and I think that there is is room for that and I think that like if you're discussing American cinema and if you're discussing popular cinema you have to acknowledge the fact that blockbusters exist and I think that Raiders of the Lost Ark is as pure a blockbuster as exists. It's arguably even purer than Star Wars and Jaws because it is very much a series of set pieces that are tied together beautifully, anchored in a fantastic central performance, shot absolutely beautifully uh, with a fantastic soundtrack. It is shot stunningly. The compositions are amazing. I think the choreography is great as well. And I do think that there's some interesting stuff happening underneath the hood, but it is a virtuoso piece of filmmaking, very much like... Mad Max rewrote in that it is a story that would not work as a book. It is a story that would not work as a stage show, despite like Disneyland's best efforts to do so. It is pure cinema, I would argue. And yeah, I think in that case, you could make a pretty solid argument for it being there. Um, that would be my case. It's weird. When Andrew comes out strong, I have to come out strong in response. It's kind of, there's a yin and yang <laughs> quality going on here. When Andrew's like, I don't know. I'm like, I also don't know. Um, right, that, and then the second question, Niall, and we already know the answer to this. Would this be on your own personal 250? Yes. It is number uno. <laughs> yeah, and and, and it, the Library of Congress view it as being wordy. It is the only Indiana Jones movie that yeah. is in the National Film Registry. So, and the only one to have like a best picture nomination and a best director nomination as well like this this played really well i know temple of doom what a surprise um but like it it played really really well at the oscars it won a whole bunch of technical awards it won like uh best art direction best sound film editing and visual effects it got a special achievement oscar for sound effects ending but it was nominated for like picture director was it spielberg's first it wasn't spielberg's first directing nomination was it we asked no yeah there were people who were confused about this indie film director. <laughs> um. yeah, I mean, the, the Oscars do always have an indie slot, right? It's like, so yeah, Little Miss Sunshine <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like one of those two. Yeah. Um, but Best Sorry. Cinematography, which I think it deserved. Best Music, one of the most iconic scores ever made. But yeah, this was like a populist hit that was also immediately regarded as phenomenal by like the Academy and by the establishment and by like... People with People eyes. With, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very <laughs> take, take that, Andrew. Um, <laughs> um, I have eyes. Uh, and I, <laughs> I have ears. If you prick me, do I not bleed? Um, um, and, and Tony, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal 250? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It would not necessarily as high as Last Crusade, though, without getting too far ahead. I think, I don't think it would be up there as high as that, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I I love all this kind of stuff. My my two hundred and fifty would like be jammed with way too many yeah. populist, ridiculous, silly blockbuster films at the expense of truly great <laughs> pieces of art. Okay. So like, but then I think this is this is a great piece of art to be fair. So I think it's a bit of both. 
Oh yeah, no. The Amblin 250. <laughs> what, <laughs> that's it, like we've had like guests on in the past who are like, yeah, it's my 250. All Fincher movies are on there. I'm like, yeah, all Nolan movies are on my 250. Um, yeah. All Fincher movies are in my 250. <laughs> yeah. like, all Nolan movies are probably in mine, yeah. That Michael Douglas one, is it called like The Hunt the game. or something like that? Oh, The Game, the game is yeah. brilliant. Is it good? Yeah, oh, it's yes. fantastic. Yeah, fantastic it looks film. good. I'm going it's David Fincher. I like Fincher. And, and yeah. now, exactly. tune in next week, we talk about Temple of Doom and Andrew reports, is it better or worse than The Game by David Fincher? Um, <laughs> and, and Andrew... That's so many dating tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Niall Strauss adaptation certainly took a turn. That sh- wasn't expecting the Sean Penn character to come on quite so strong. Um, but Andrew, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal 250? No, um, I, I, <laughs> I know why are I like you say that shots. like a surprise. Yes. I, I like, and I'm not, I'm not against. Uh, this is why we have a guest co-host, uh, by the way. This is why I brought in Tony as a co-host. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, um, not. I'm. I'm not against uh, blockbusters, <laughs> but I like a kind of a certain type of blockbuster. Like I, 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 I obviously like, like if Paul Verhoeven had like done Robocop. Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark, Andrew would be on board with it. <laughs> I think I, I think he'd do I think he'd do a really good job of of kind of like unpacking some of the 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 uh, Nazi stuff and the kind of militarism and the the um and that it it would have been more of a kind of a like the problem I find about um. Uh, Lucas movies is it's very difficult to kind of for me anyway to believe in the bad guys because they're always so kind of um, I don't know there, there's there's a kind of a, like a there, um, uh, Lucas would probably defend it and say that like it's it's some sort of a Campbellian good versus evil thing or I I I'm 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 not really sure but. <laughs> my big problem with Raiders is that the Nazis yeah, felt no. a bit one-dimensional. Um, <laughs> the the um, but that, you know, that, that's the point, though, and it it kind of makes it more difficult to say something interesting about about problems that were kind of obviously in twenty twenty one. Okay. Um. They 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 they. But when 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 this movie kind of came about, at least it felt as a child that like, oh, na- Nazis are just boogeymen; they don't exist. Yeah. It's not. Thank like, God we it, dealt it's, with that. It's, exactly. Yeah. 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 We all agree whereas, that Nazis are evil, um, and there's no yeah, debate over it. They're not very fine people on that side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but like the the I do like blockbusters, but I I, I like. Um, like obviously, I like Robocop. But I like Predator, and it, 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 there, there's something kind of I don't know, more sort of um, uh, grounded and le- less less of a kind of a an uncontroversial sort of a, a theme park. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, feel to I mean, them. not that theme parks are uncontroversial, <laughs> <laughs> because I guess like we. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, sorry. The, yeah, this is a probably we don't discuss- have time for the history of Disney and their employee relations. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah, this is well, okay. like, like if this was a Disney uh, theme park ride, uh, there are several parts of it that would have been removed. Yes, that would be in the vault. Um, yeah, exactly. The the so. But no, I, I, it's it's not my thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It's, um, it's okay. It, 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 I I I found it was interesting, but I did the themes felt fairly kind of um, 
uh, facile and uninteresting. Um, and and but 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 I, I'll be interested to see like how wrong. I'm well, okay. Well, actually, I, um, I think that yeah, that's an interesting conversation to have later on because I do think that it it is. I think you're right, but I think you're being right about it makes it more interesting in a way. Um, but we'll come back to that. Uh, Niall, final question: If listeners have not already seen *Raise the Lost Ark*, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and watch it, stream it on as big a screen as possible? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would I would suggest that they uh, that they. Get the family together and get a big tub of popcorn and put it on. It's it is it is a family movie. My six year old watches it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask because like, so. again, then this is probably the time to have that conversation. I guess is this appropriate for children? Um, because this was usually again we'll talk about it with Temple of Doom as well. But this was one of the first movies where you had that really big pushback. Is like papers asking in 1981. Is this for kids? Is this a movie that's going to scare kids? Is it going to give them nightmares? So. What's yeah. what's wrong with scaring yeah. kids? Kids, the kids like being scared. Uh, again, I watched The Shining <laughs> at the age of eight. Like, no, that, that, yeah. that I think this is a large part of why I love these movies so much as a kid is because they skirted that line. And again, not to prefigure the Temple of Doom. The reason that we're talking about Temple of Doom is because I was like, yeah, let's talk about Temple of Doom. But like that movie gave me nightmares. That movie haunted me as a kid. And being eight Same. years old, yeah, but being eight years old and being scared was such a fantastic, thrilling thing to feel. So yeah, but I say that as somebody who doesn't have kids and doesn't have to deal with nightmares. But yeah, so you you would be you'd be it's okay for kids if you watch it with them, sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that, and how I how I introduced it to to my, to my six year old is that um, the Lego made a game, the two games yeah. of Lego Indiana Jones, and therefore we played that together on the Xbox, and that way he's now familiar with the world of Indiana Jones without the scariness of. Well, particularly the, the end of Raiders, yeah. but then I'm able to to show him that, and it's the same thing. I'm able to show him the first two Harry Potters. I'm not able to show him beyond that because it starts getting properly yeah. scary for a six year old at that point. But the first two are fine, you know. Uh, but I mean, again, and, you're watching those year on year, or at least they were originally released year on yeah, year as books and as exactly. films. So it's like they grow up with the kids almost, you know. Yeah, and the same with uh, he's 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 now being into Star Wars because. He's able to watch that. He's of the age when it was okay. I was of a similar age when uh, when uh, Return to Jedi came out, and I had all the bedspreads and everything. I was massively into them back then. I'm very much indoctrinating my child in <laughs> what I liked when I was his age. We watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Aww. Turtles this morning. Uh, so, you know. um, and Tony, what about yourself? Would you recommend Raiders for for? Uh, audience members and then for children since that's the conversation we're having <laughs> do we think that this like do you think this is a kids movie or a family movie i th- i think potentially yeah i mean i th- it is it, i do agree with the whole center i i wouldn't have a problem with showing a six or seven year old this personally i think i think it's like you like you guys have said it's quite good to have those kind of experiences when you're young in a safe space where these kind of movies are, you know, very clearly fictional yeah. that you can talk to your parents about them. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather a six or seven year old child of mine, and I'm childless as of now, so you know, but I'd rather they have this kind of scary experience than have an uncontrolled one yes. on the darkness of the internet or out with friends, which is very easy to do these days. You know, I think it's all part of the formative process, so I, I would be fine with it. I'd be fine watching it, and then any of the more 
the edgier bits, or, you know, particularly the end with all the melting faces and that kind of thing, I'd probably joke about it and say, shut your eyes! Shut your eyes, son! <laughs> don't look! Don't, don't look, look at it, kid. Don't look at it! Don't look at whatever the screen! Whatever happens, yeah, do that. don't look at it! Yeah, whatever happens, don't look at the screen! Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I, and definitely for everybody else, it's it's a real crowd pleaser. And it, it, it is a bit darker and a bit edgier than some of the other indie films. But I, I still think it's a punch the air yeah. kind of movie that's, arra, arra. that's got a lot of romance and yeah, uh, and adventure and fun to it. So absolutely, hundred percent, go and watch it. Who hasn't watched it? Surely, is there anyone listening to this who hasn't seen Raiders? Like, come on. Uh, and we should we should mention, by the way, actually, we, again, we're it's, we're not in the spoiler zone yet. But that closing sequence, like the reason why there's fire in front of the screen, is because they showed it to the MPAA, and they were like, "There's no way you're getting away with that." And Spielberg's response was, "Well, what if we put like fire effects in front of like all the crazy stuff that's happening?" And the MPAA were like, "Spielberg, you've done it again." PG. <laughs> um, um, you say, you say, you, it's me first close personal friend, Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he, who he, who he, yeah. it'll, it'll get to yeah. that when Temple of Doom, whom he rang yeah. and said, I think we need a new yeah. rating. And Jack Valenti went, yes. It's like, it's like, yeah, we'll talk about it on Temple, but it's like, yeah, it's like he literally, like, the story is I picked up the phone and rang Jack and was like, I think we need like a PG 14, maybe a PG 13. And it's like, Jack's like, boom, sold. Spielberg, you've done it again. Um, and Andrew, would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and watch Raiders? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, it, it's difficult not to kind of get swept up in the excitement when the kind of John Williams score yeah, is playing. Like fanfare. Mm. Um, yeah, that I, 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 I would like that. Like, um, I, I, um, like, like, I, I had some kind of like you know, um, unfavorable things to say about it, but I think overall you'll enjoy it. I, 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 I think, kind of to 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 answer the question that Niall's more qualified to answer, um, I, I, I think kids can watch it. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't have any moral kind of um, objection to children watching. Won't anybody think of the children? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like, if I were trying to contextualize violence for a child, I might, I might put on RoboCop I, I, instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, None of that sanitized kind of... crap. It's like this is what happens when you shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah, full on shooting someone in the dick is exactly what they need to. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or like Full Metal Jacket or Predator or something. I just say, you see, kids, it's not fun. Yeah, if kids, if kids aren't shaking afterwards, you haven't done your job. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, sit down like... here, Andrew. I'm going to tell you about Tarkovsky. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he's called Andrew Jr. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and for myself, yes. And again, I don't have kids. And uh, sorry, Niall is the most qualified person on the podcast to talk about this. But as somebody who was a kid, like I, I really appreciated having the safe space with my granddad. Of- as opposed to the people who weren't kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's, a, it's not bones. a relatable experience. I'm just sharing a personal <laughs> anecdote here. Very specific, Darren. very rooted in my own experiences. I want to say, like, I met Darren when he was ostensibly a child and he wasn't a child. <laughs> um, you know, like, there is no evidence. <laughs> He watched The Shining as age. Darren was a child. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, no, like again, I think it's a nice way to. He had a hairy chest. I did have a hairy chest. I didn't go tea at the age of like eleven. Um, <laughs> 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 All right, then. With that in mind, then we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone.
So, Niall, <laughs> what is Raiders of the Lost Ark about for you? Um, escapism, pure and simple. It is It is an escapist movie. It, is, it allows you to live out your kind of fantasies of go, tur- turning your ordinary day job into globe-trotting adventure. You know, that, that <laughs> professor by day and archeo- international <laughs> like man of mystery by, by night, which, of course, is exactly what I'm like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, the, the big original thing, I think, was didn't Lucas want him to be have a third job where he, like, operated a nightclub? Which then, I think, like, <laughs> like Lucas kind of wanted him to be, like, an archaeologist, nightclub owner, and um, obviously teacher well, and i think like at one stage salary <laughs> that archaeologists are on like they'd kind of want a uh, second or third um, job to get <laughs> at least two nixers kind yeah, of well, the gig economy didn't exist to the same extent <laughs> in the early 80s another lucas pitch that i really love is like him suggesting that he should know kung fu as well and having to be talked out of that by like spielberg which I, like, <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs> It's almost as if, like, George Lucas has terrible <laughs> ideas on his own when so nobody else around to bring him in. <laughs> terrible or brilliant. Um. Yeah, we need more movies that celebrate George Lucas's um, yeah, unique creative <laughs> yeah. perspective and give him free reign. I, I, kind of, <laughs> I, I now wish that Indy had been... James Bond meets Rick Blaine meets Neo, to be honest. But <laughs> the story is that I think Spielberg wanted to do uh, like a James Bond movie. That's how Lucas kind of sold him on it. Was like, this is your excuse to do a James Bond movie, which obviously comes back in a big way when we get to the Last Crusade. Sorry, Andrew, you look like you're. Well, yeah. When when we speak about Raiders, we'll also talk about like how well Spielberg, how good Spielberg is, or how good he's not at at making a a, a James Bond movie. I guess. Um, I assume, yeah, no, he was, and um, but I, I, I just want to tell like a quick story, hopefully, then, and it kind of relates to how kind of things that kids like are like sharks and dinosaurs and like um Egyptology, um, and uh, yeah, then and 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 that's Spielberg kind of um part of like the story about Spielberg is about some sort of kind of uh, um. You know, if if we're psychoanalyzing this idea of kind of like arrested development at like a point of 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 um of you know marital um uh, breakup and the kind the kind of w- w- wanting to kind of um, recapture uh, that wonder or make recapture that, make the it... childhood in in cinema, um and that that's kind of I I guess some of his strength, but it reminded me of a story. My my brother when he was growing up, there were there were two things he really loved. One was Ferraris, so he'd watch F1 and he'd have little kind of um, uh, model uh, Ferraris like on pedestals and that. He didn't like drive them around or anything. Um, But the other thing was archaeology. So he would go to like grown up archaeological conferences and things and he would be like this 10 or 11 year old. And he he would be you know like watching Time Team the whole time and like recording on VHS <laughs> and all that sort of crap. But one time um, there was like a Saturday course um, for for nerds to study archaeology. <laughs> Is that what it was and called? He, for nerds, <laughs> a Saturday <laughs> course for nerds. Darren knows exactly. Oh, I do exactly. But I like I like that I like that it was like for beginners, advanced nerds. That's the like that's nerds. the ranking. <laughs> The only people who would yeah, go to an archaeology on a um, course on a Saturday <laughs> would be nerds. So, um, 
but he was talking to he was the most engaged like with this topic like in a class of nerds so he was following the um tutor out to his car like still talking more about archaeology like when the class was finished and then finally the tutor got to his car and it was like this clapped out old like let's say it's kind of like an old kind of a fiesta or something but it's covered in rust like and there's all this crap in the back <laughs> and my brother is like oh no <laughs> because his two kind of um he just realized that like either he's going to have a ferrari <laughs> or he's going to be an archaeologist <laughs> and 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 um, like the only way to do both is maybe to be a nightclub owner or something yeah that that's like um, that's like the moment in last crusade where he sees the real holy grail isn't it yeah. you know and it's like that's the car <laughs> yeah. of a carpenter this is like that's the car of an archaeologist <laughs> um, well, we, okay let, let's 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 kind of recenter this in terms of, of spielberg because again like one of the i think Sorry. that like one of the points that people reviewers have made is that like there's a tendency to dismiss ironically enough given that it got the best picture nomination that it's on this list in particular and that it's regarded as one of the best summer movies ever made it's typically regarded as one of the lighter spielberg films i think like pauline kale who like described was a close encounter of third kind as a boy soprano singing with joy talking about how when she watched raiders she couldn't feel that joy and there's a tendency not to talk about it uh, as a classic spielberg film or like one that is particularly tied to spielberg's thematic interests or what make him uh, a great filmmaker and that's all because i I think this is a quintessential spielberg film and in fact i actually think like the as much as he may distance himself from the movies in the series that don't necessarily work by saying oh yeah that was george's idea um i was really just kind of in the room when it happened and i should have stopped it um but like he (laughs) That's their friendship, isn't it? It's like, oh, George. (laughs) (laughs) But but no, but I mean, I I think that there is an argument to be made that this is like a fundamentally kind of like Spielberg film through and through in that like it is the ultimate absent dad movie. It is the story about a man who believes in a strictly rational world, who doesn't believe in the hocus pocus or the magic of the, the Ark of the Covenant. He thinks it's just an object that belongs in a museum, to quote from a later movie in the series. Um, but over the course of the film, he comes to understand that, no, actually, God, the ultimate absent dad, exists. <laughs> and God is part of this universe. And God kind of like operates in this world in this way. And like, is there something in that in the sense of like the journey that, that Indiana Jones takes over the course of this movie in particular, but which arguably also plays out over Temple of Doom and then more literally in like The Last Crusade where you have his actual father? Is it a Spielberg movie in that sense or is that reaching? Reaching. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no it no. is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it is. And, and it extends into Crystal Skull as well, I guess, doesn't it really? With him becoming, a, realizing he is a father and finding out he's a father. Yeah, it's it's interesting to look at it in that sense. Yeah, because it's very it is very easy to think of of Raiders, and I think to be fair, most people would think of Raiders as being this stunt filled, exciting popcorn sort of movie, and wouldn't necessarily look deeper and see some of the thematic stuff going on. Because I think the way it's produced and the skill that it's made with almost. It, I, I wouldn't say it necessarily clouds that as such, but it makes you feel like you're just on the ride. You know, you're on an adventure, you're on a roller coaster, and but yeah, and, and yet there are other things going on. So yeah, it is, it is in a way, I suppose, deceptive. But yeah, I can definitely see that. Now you've said it. Can I make the the argument for it being a Lucas 
Well, um, can we can we can we uh, can we focus? Um, just I, I want to kind of focus on on the Spielberg for, for a moment. I think I think it's going to be that we're, when we're trying to say the movie is good, we're going to say it's <laughs> a Spielberg it's movie. Totally, a Spielberg and when it's bad, it's a, it's a Lucas movie. Well, no, <laughs> which which is I think maybe <laughs> no, not fair. I don't think it's. Fair. I, I think the most interesting things about it are 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 the Lucas themes that I that I sort of I don't feel the same way about the world that Lucas seems to. So and and, and anyway, okay, sorry, well, okay, but but, back but to just very over. quickly, just on that kind of because I think like that's the most interesting if you're talking narratively and thematically. It's that arc of going from somebody who believes the world is rational and that objects are like real and they're just artifacts, and then understanding that actually they exist in a broader context and have power. Because again, you have this thing that runs throughout the movie of the power of symbols. Like so, you have for example when he's fighting the Nazi with the propeller, the splattering of blood across the swastika, which is just a striking visual image. You have the moment where he's like crawling on the truck and he grabs the Mercedes logo and it immediately kind of crumbles and collapses (laughs) because of course it's tied to Nazism. You have this like thing that runs through where you have the Nazis at the climax of the movie doing a Jewish ritual and you have them actually saying I'm not really comfortable with doing this Jewish ritual but they will do the Jewish ritual as long as it grants them power as long as it grants them control or it can serve as a weapon. You have this idea that like the Nazis don't believe in anything fundamentally. They're just this big, empty, symbolic idea. They just believe in power. Their principles are not their own. They don't, like, the entire premise of Raiders of the Lost Ark is that, like, the Judeo-Christian God exists. The Jewish God exists. Yahweh exists. And that's, the Nazi response to that isn't to say, no, it doesn't exist because our principles insist that the Jewish people are, you know, worthy of being exterminated. It's like, no... We're willing to accept that maybe the Jewish people were right about their God existing. How can we use that for ourselves? And they're so devoid of any principle or guiding character. And like that's what makes Balak so interesting. And again, the reading of... If we want to talk about Spielberg very, very briefly, the difference between this and, say, 1941, where 1941 is meant to be this like cynical deconstruction of the greatest generation from like Bob Zemeckis who did who would go on and do like Back to the Future which would deconstruct kind of like you know the 50s ideal and arguably Forrest Gump which if you read it, some of the ways that you can read Forrest Gump are it's this Absolutely. ironic de- I agree with your um, my thesis of, on, on Forrest Gump on, on Forrest Gump the book to come soon yeah but the, the, <laughs> the tension within kind of like 1941 the movie Spielberg did before this is that Spielberg doesn't believe that Spielberg doesn't have that level of ironic detachment from the second world war like he's talked about how important the second world war was to him and you have like later on you have like schindler's list and the Shoah project which are all about like memorializing the holocaust you have things like say band of brothers or uh you know saving private ryan which are about celebrating like american heroism in the war and things like that he's talking about how his father and his uncle talking about the second world war were usually formative to him and so you have this idea within raiders of like perhaps the most moral take on the Second World War. So 1941, I would argue, doesn't work because Spielberg isn't capable of being cynical, at least at this point, about the greatest generation. But Raiders ends up being perhaps this incredibly, almost literally black and white, because like Douglas uh, Solcombe's cinematography is practically black and white. It's practically silhouette at points. Think of the most memorable shots in the movie. Think of like sequences where he enters the bar in Nepal and his silhouette is projected up against the wall. Think of the sequence kind of later on where, you know, he's shot in silhouette. Think of the way in which he's introduced where he's stepping out of a shadow, for example. Think of the sequence where they're digging and that's almost, again, shot pretty much like a black and white silhouette, except with shades of red and orange in it. But you have this idea of there being clear black and white and right and wrong. And Raiders is interesting, I think, because you get this idea that, like, God literally favors our enterprise. 
the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark has the unveiling of the Ark of the Covenant, which is a weapon of mass destruction. It's described in terms, an army that carries the Ark before it would be invincible. It is arguably comparable to the atomic bomb, particularly in terms of how it's framed. It melts faces, it boils eyes, fire burns everywhere. There's this huge column of smoke up to the clouds in the sky. Um, It fries all electrical circuitry before it's used as well. But in, in real history, the atomic bomb is arguably this big morally complex issue about the Americans using it on civilian populations and, and killing indiscriminately. But in Raiders, you have the arc uh, so, rendered as... Sorry, we, we've spoken about this before on the podcast. A nuclear bomb isn't morally ambiguous. Um, okay. I know the they, use they're, of it they're, is, No, no they... they no, it's not ambiguous. It's it it is the great, one of the greatest evils ever committed. Um, like it just simply, yeah. And it it was it was intended for use against Nazi Germany. Yeah, and that and and that's maybe maybe a kind of a justification for the labors of the likes of um of Oppenheimer and his team, but it it quickly became evident that the likes of Heisenberg, who were working on the German bomb weren't um, uh, going to um, accomplish it and maybe even didn't want to. Um, and so the, 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 it, it, it was it was used um, anyway. Sorry. The, OK, the, OK, the, but let's the, let's let's before say before this let's gets say... boring. But but that, like like the, the this has been said before on the podcast and I got really kind of like annoyed about it i'm getting annoyed again no, it's, it's a nuclear yeah uh, um and 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 atomic bomb use um against civilians for for not for especially for no for no strategic or ideological reason other than to scare the soviet union is um is 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 entirely kind of um, yeah, no, that, that's not okay. ambiguous. Okay, that's Sorry. that's that. No, it's it's an absolutely fair point. I am more framing it in the context of like American discussions of the legacy of the Second World War, where like the yeah, dropping of the bomb I, is something that like you have this big thing in the mid nineties with the Smithsonian wanting to do an exhibit that says, "By the way, we kill lots of civilians," and the U.S. military and the U.S. government saying, uh, "No, you don't," um, and there being this course. big back and forth over. But my my point is more. My point is more that you have the arc here presented as a weapon of mass destruction where its effects are comparable in several direct ways to the bomb. But in yeah, this but telling, it's, it's, it is it's presented... It's an American celebration of the, the, the bomb and of putting it in the hands of, 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 of America. I, I, would, I, would, I would not necessarily agree with that. I would, the Nazis. I would argue it's more of a whitewashing of the bomb. Um, in that sense, in that it presents a an idealized version of the bomb that acts based on morality. So you open you open the ark and but it just kills that, Nazis. It doesn't kill the other people. You have like probably the, the same view that Spielberg has. I I I, I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. But the, 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 if that's what the bomb, if if that's what the ark represents in the, in 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 this movie, then then it then it's the it's the general American understanding of the bomb as this necessary evil. But but it's a version that then, when it ends up in the U.S., it's never used by the U.S. Is the thing. It's a weapon of mass destruction that is never employed by Not the in U.S. Thirty six. Not okay. But it ends up being like locked away and forgotten. Basically, is the thing. Do we do sorry? Do we think it's still in there in Crystal Skull when we go to the same warehouse? <laughs> I I just assume it yeah, is. Yeah, I just assume they've left well, it they, there for they, like twenty five years. They, 
the the arc team plays. Yeah. And don't they show they show oh, yeah. a bit of it when the when the thing cracks as well when the box cracks, right? Oh oh yeah, 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 yeah. of course yeah. Yeah. it is there. Yeah. 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 So no, it's a it's a version of the bomb that was never used by the Americans. It's this it's again it's this almost romantic kind of fantasy version of. I want to say kind of how interesting it is um, in terms of the um, this kind of early twentieth um, century and late nineteenth century obsession with like the occult and esotericism and the way that that interacted with um, kind of uh, scientists and uh, politicians and theorizing. I, th- I, th- I think that's the interesting thing about it. Th- th- like that it's not outlandish. Kind of that that's um you would have Nazis trying to find um uh, religious relics because I, I I I I I think kind of the 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 particular uh there was kind of a physical uh and materialistic racism of of the of the Nazis but do at at the same time you had um a belief in a a kind of a a spiritual racism. And of of a of a like a mythical Aryan, and of 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 um of certain kind of um like um Italian fascists talking about kind of the 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 Brahmin class of India, and of 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 fascism being a um a kind of a step backwards in history to a silver age of um the warrior. Um, well, it talks uh, about class. ancient Rome and stuff like that, doesn't it? That's, yeah, that's where the bundle yeah. of the name comes from, the bundle of rods. But I, I think, like, to, just before we kind of move on to that, I do think there Sorry. is something in that. Like, but also that the idea of the Jewishness of the movie, because Spielberg has talked about how, like, when he was a child growing up, he was surrounded by wasps, by white, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, and how he didn't necessarily connect with his Jewish heritage. He actually credits his wife, Kate Capshaw, um, who we would meet on Temple of Doom. She converted to Judaism before they married, and he says that brought him back to Judaism. And then obviously that becomes a kind of a huge part later on when he's doing stuff like Schindler's List, for example. Uh, but it is interesting that, like, you have... Munich, a, a big one. What? M- M- Munich, um, Munich as well. Yeah. Uh, but you have this this idea in Raiders that, like, God exists, God favors our enterprise. And the idea of... And it, it happens throughout as well. Like, you have when, Shala, when Salah's talking about, like, the Nazis digging... He's like, it's like the pharaohs have returned. So even though this isn't a movie about the Holocaust or about the oppression of Jewish people, you have that specter there where you have the Nazis in Cairo being compared to the pharaohs and the idea of the Old Testament God being unleashed, like literally rejecting the Nazi imagery and iconography. It burns the swastika off the wooden box containing the Ark, for example, and things like that, which I find. And again, the idea... Like, again, that, that idea of God favoring our enterprise. Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is the ultimate God favors our enterprise kind of movie, arguably. It, it's interesting, though, because it's a kind of a, it's a more um, metaphysical kind of traditionalism that Lucas um, embodies than um, the uh, fascists, or even Indy, who, who are um, who, who are proponents of a kind of a materialistic um a universe like it in it, it seems like a lot of indies interest in this aside from his passion and like it, 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 this is the point that Belloc makes with him is, is like that, would you like, blow we, up the ark sort of thing we, yeah we're we passing are, through history and this is history. yeah 
and 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 that that's what we're about. But a, a, a lot of the ostensible interest from him is kind of like in the settlement, kind of like what what kind of um, uh, uh, money is um, is going to be made um, um, out of this. So there, there there's not there's not there's not there's not a great distinction philosophically between like obviously India is not a a fascist or a Nazi. But um, the the same sort of materialistic kind of um, uh, uh, view of the world, and it, it's it's weird though because because there is this more um, kind of uh, uh, traditionalist idea from um, from Lucas, where like Star Wars is a kind of a world of magic that that yeah, occurred the in force. the past, yeah, yeah, and and of 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 a kind of a um, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but it's this—it's that really kind of weird stuff that is um, uh, feels like a a Lucas um, uh, film. Just on on the religion stuff, I find it like this is interesting in terms of contrasting like Belloc and Indy in that like, mm. and and Belloc is consistently shown to be more educated and more immersed than Indy is. So he can speak uh, the language of the tribe at the start, for example, and Indy can't. Indy's just kind of blundered into it accidentally. And then at the climax, when they're doing the ritual, like, Belloc is dressed in everything from, like, Exodus chapter 28. It's like a pectoral, an ephod, a robe, an embroidered tunic, a turban, and a belt. He's literally dressed according to Exodus uh, to perform this ritual in detail, which you get a sense that Indy could never do. Indy would never be that interested in the mechanics of it. But you have this kind of interesting contrast between the two where Belloc uses his knowledge cynically. He uses his understanding of these cultures cynically to exploit them and to take advantage of them. So to trick the indigenous population into helping him steal an artifact from them, for example, uh, or in using the rituals of the, the, the Hebrew people to p- empower the Nazis, which they will presumably use for purposes that we can all figure out. And you have I that contrast. He's the Nazis, don't you? Like you think that Belloc plans to use it for himself. Yeah, I don't. I I I think it's kind of like like that. He's using the resources that the Nazis have to get his hands on on the. I I don't think he's any. Um, you don't like think he's going to hand it, it comes over across here. in the movie that he has no particular allegiance. Yeah, yeah, to, that's exactly it. Uh, fascist. He's a sellsword. Yeah, that's exactly well, he, again. He's Vichy France. Like this again. If we're if we're reframing this in the context of the Second World War, he's Vichy France. He's got no principles or the conception of Vichy France that existed in American pop culture. I need to be very clear on that. Not actual Vichy France. This is not a history podcast. This is a pop culture podcast. But the idea. Yeah, of, I should be clear as well. <laughs> like, anything I've said so far is just my opinion. But the the idea that and 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 these aren't my opinions. I, I'm more kind of framing in in a cultural context. But things like. The idea of like Belloc, like having no principle beyond getting a hold of this thing. And again, I I don't I don't know if he plans to use. I don't think he has any plans to use it. I think he just wants to hold it and control it. And giving it to Hitler is part of that. I don't know if he plans to like use it to conquer the world because that seems like it's more ambitious than Belloc is. If that makes sense, Belloc just wants to be the guy holding it or controlling it. I don't think he wants to use it. I don't think he has any grand plan for it, which I kind of love. In an era where like villains are like, I want to destroy half the universe. Belloc's just like, I want to hold this, I want this telephone to God. No, it's it's for personal profit. The only yeah. thing that Belloc cares about is self. Yeah. He, so so 
the he is doing it to enrich himself. The Nazis yeah. have lots of resources, lots of gold, they, and he's going to get wealthy yeah. off yeah. it. That's the only thing that he cares yeah. about. I don't think he's going to like use it as a weapon of mass destruction. I think he just wants to like hold it briefly and get paid. Um, I don't think he cares about holding it. I think he just cares about getting I, paid. Really, I, I, think, I think there's an element I think, of like I think he I, wants to speak to God. Yeah, I think there's an element of like I want to be the guy holding the phone. Because um, I, I, I think that, that like a lot of kind not of, because I want um, to talk to God, but because the phone looks valuable. You know that sort of. No, thing. but like, like, like this, this whole kind of idea of um, uh, post enlightenment Christianity is, is trying to kind of um, understand God, like not, 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 not in a kind of a um, God is this thing that we can't access, but trying to kind of reconcile. The, the the kind of r- r- rational world with this faith in God and doing so through these um like bonkers theories and 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 get but but his his eventual kind of um aim I think is to um is to get a direct line. I I don't think he wants to. I don't like. I don't think that he wants to understand God. I think he just like wants to like follow the rituals follow the instructions like again it's very much following the instructions i think that's the difference between him and indy is that indy doesn't have that level of knowledge he doesn't have that level of kind of cultural specificity he isn't particularly interested in learning to speak the indigenous language of the population from whom he is stealing an artifact but he also intrinsically has a curiosity that belloc doesn't have or an understanding that belloc doesn't have where he's like you know what maybe we shouldn't be looking directly at the ark Maybe we shouldn't be doing this exactly with the arc. And I find that kind of interesting between the two, where like Indy, Belloc goes to church every Sunday. Belloc reads the Bible. Belloc follows the instructions of the Bible to the letter, but he doesn't necessarily understand the power of the force with which he's working. Whereas I think Indy doesn't. If Indy does Indy understands but doesn't have that like in-depth level. I think he understands. I think he's no interest. Okay. Ooh, I don't I don't I don't I don't think um I don't think Indy is on the road to a religious experience, like, um, and and I think I think I think Balak on some on some level is. I think it, it is is more more the mystic, because the the the, the it's it, it's it's the the absorption that he has in 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 all of this kind of arcana. That, that anyway, sorry, this may, may, maybe not an interesting conversation about the the, the movie. <laughs> I, I beg your pardon, sorry. Bellot seems more of an egotist, obviously, you know, more than anything else. He seems like he wants the glory in many ways, uh, as well as the payment, but he wants the glory of it. And he wants to, you know, he has that ego as as the, if if you like, the, the flip side of Indy, you know, the merciless side of Indy, the, the mercenary side of Indy. Whereas Indy, I think, respects the power you know, I, th- I think you see that in a lot of the films that he he may not always understand it with the level of technicality, like you say, Belloc does, for instance. But he respects that there are forces greater than we and that maybe we shouldn't mess with some of them and we need to be careful. So I think he has a I think he respects history and he respects myth, maybe more than he he buys into some of the stuff. You know, so then that's one of the reasons he often survives, you know, because <laughs> the Last Crusade does a very similar ending in a way, doesn't it? And it, and it's 
you know, it, it is all about Indy making the right choice in terms of this and awesome rejecting power. the Arcania. That's it, rejecting the Arcania because yeah. like I don't want the yeah. jewel studded cup. It's not the jewel studded cup. Exactly, it's, it's the one that's yeah. small and wooden and plain. It's the archaeologist mm. car to bring us back to the kind of joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, it's that respect. Yeah, sorry now. It's the degree to which Belloc is Heinrich uh, Schliemann, and in in term in pure archaeologist terms, he is he is a destructive force for self-aggrandization, you know, for, for self-aggrandizement. He's, he searches for personal glory. Schliemann was the same. He searched for Troy and found it because he wanted to find, be the one that found Troy. He had destroyed half of it in the, in the process, but that was, it was still about what made him famous. Howard Carter was similar with the, in, in, in Egypt going around, you know, opening the tombs of the pharaohs and having no respect for, what was there. Indy has some respect for what was there. Indy brings back things to be put in a museum. He is, yeah, you know, that's what he's he's attempting to do. He's not doing it for personal fame or glory. He's doing it so because he believes that these things need to be unearthed and seen. For money. Yeah, that's his Ark and Temple of Doom. No, no, no. His Ark and Temple of Doom is, like, I think there is a, like, Temple of Doom as a prequel or a pre-sequel to quote Vincent Canby in the New York Times has its problems. But I do think Temple of Doom has the arc of him realizing fortune and glory is not an end of itself. I think by Raiders of the Lost Ark, he is just, he loves this stuff. He's like, he's haggling with Marcus over, not over thousands of dollars, but over, over tickets, over paying for tickets to continue chasing this thing, you know? He's unlearned the lessons that he learned in temple some of them he has yes some of them he will come back to, we'll come back to this next week but i do think he's not as no he's not as like money oriented as he is in like temple he's introduced selling an ancient mummy for a giant diamond i don't think in raiders he's interested in selling the, the ark of the covenant for a giant diamond mm, he's, he's interested paid, no he's interested in bringing he's... it to the like to the museum like that's he's he's upset at the he end wants to protect yeah, it. he's upset at the end because yeah. the government takes it and they don't give it to the museum not that they don't give it to him not that he doesn't get a grant for it he's upset that it doesn't end up being in a public forum or in the place where it could be like studied Somewhere where yeah. it can be celebrated as a part yeah. of history yeah no then that that's that's his whole arc that's the that is the the best thing about indy because i mean he is stealing treasures he is a colonialist yeah. but he is doing it in a way to be like the british museum he's pushing it there for people to to see and he's his pursuit of anything that's monetarily related is to continue his quest is to yeah. keep doing it to be able to this has to be it. worth at least a ticket uh, you know well, that like yeah i yeah. guess not to get beaten by nazis <laughs> like you know you, you need to kind of get paid so that you can you can stay one fed ahead one step yeah ahead. that 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 is part of it in that he is in the end he try, he's having to try and prevent these awful terrible genuinely evil people from doing terrible things with these things or you know or in in this case but locking it away that's right he won't like blow up he won't he won't make the pragmatic choice to blow up the arc mm. like he, there are limits mm. which is interesting as well i think mm. Lenny mm. Riefenstahl also gets like melted um. <laughs> well it's a, again that's the power of imagery and iconography it's the, like spielberg's very clear the camera is watching this it's not just the rituals being performed it's the rituals being recorded for broadcast and for consumption the the event becomes bigger of uh, sorry sorry no sorry to cut you no no i was just saying that at the start of last crusade it establishes indy's character and his moral morality and wh- where he is on that compass and what he's prepared to do to defend artifacts against grave robbers essentially you know he's not he is a grave robber but to the extent that it is for he wants to put like the the coronado's um cross yeah crooks that could cross in a museum whereas the other fellows want to sell it 
for, to, you know that and that and, and that's the difference and that so so it's established retroactively but in last crusade that that part of him that you can see in raiders and I mean, and again, I think you can kind of see it in, in Temple of Doom as well, where it's like the Shankara stones are a ticket to fortune and glory. And he's like, actually, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe fortune and glory aren't the only things worth chasing. Well, it's the two it's the two kind of strands of the sort of vi- vi- Victorian kind of way of thinking about the world is that the, there was a lot of sort of like collecting things and putting them in like, like you know, build, building um, museums and collections and uh, of, 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 of categorizing all living things and putting them in little um, uh, little boxes and understanding them versus kind of a more. Um, uh, uh, transcendent kind of, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. Obviously, like I find all that stuff in, in um, uh, crazy. But you have like all these poets, and like um, Yeats was really into this. Uh, Darren, Darren and I are Slago men, but he's really big into the occult yeah. and going to seances and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, and that that's the interest I think that Belloc has in it. Personally, I feel like that he represents that other sort of um a, a, a Victorian mold, I guess. Um and, and that that's his interest. He doesn't want to put it in a um behind like a in a in a in a frame, in a box kind of so that people can look at it. He wants to 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 slip the surly bonds of earth and touch the face of God. Um, <laughs> and then just got smashed. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh yeah. But um yeah, no, that that um, I but but I I I I'll 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 accept that I could be wrong on that. I mean, again, uh, just very quickly, it is worth noting. I think you know, Niall mentioned a couple of archaeological influences on Belloc there. I mean, there's some debate, and I say debate in the loosest possible term because Lucas and Spielberg claim they've never heard of this man. Uh, but Vendel Jones uh, is an archaeologist from Texas who claims that he was an inspiration for the uh, kind of like Indiana Jones in the movies. Um, and he's famously, he his path to archaeology was through Judaism, believing that the New Testament was a hoax. Uh, he very much believes that the Old uh, Old Testament is is true and the New Testament is not, which is it's fascinating. So, so he's now running for leader of the DUP. Yes, that's <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> there, at, um, at, time, at, at time of recording, is it, 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 um, the, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've just had a new leader of the DUP. So we're, we're, we're saying, we're saying that because we know that there'll be a, a, a new leader. I guess in August when this comes out. Um, but, um. but yeah, like, I mean, and again, it, you mentioned the occult stuff and again, tied to Nazism. There's a bit of push and pull in terms of history as to how interested the Nazis were in the occult. There are documented cases of them pursuing it, but there's also arguments from historians that it tends to be overstated in order to make them seem like cartoons because they, the idea that like Nazism has to be tied to some sort of spiritual existential evil that is greater than humanity is capable of. And so we tend to focus on stories like Hitler looking for the Holy Grail in England, for example. Um, I'm oh, sorry, Johann yeah. Schmidt clearly was looking <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I think the argument from historians is that you tend to fo- we tend to focus too much on that. We tend to be like, oh, this was a big deal for the Nazis, as opposed to being like one of twenty spinning plates, which is is interesting in terms right. of contextualizing. Well, them. The, the, that's the thing about like the far right or the alt right, as we kind of say these days, 
is that it's very confused. Well, they're obsessed with Norse mythology and stuff like um, that. Yeah. The, the, the big blonde fella with the hammer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how is that not yeah. symbolic for what they believe in? The golden yeah. one, thank you very much. Um, it, it's uh, it, I like uh, it's all over the place. Yeah. Kind of as, as, as a, a sort of like, aside from being evil, um, it's it it's it's not. It feels it 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 doesn't like it doesn't feel outlandish that like I don't know how much interest Adolf Hitler had in in the occult, um, but it doesn't feel like strange that it, that it, that he would because he was a, a very kind of an intellectually confused person, um, like aside 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 from it being morally wrong, um, anyway. That's the biggest, I think, the biggest understatement of Hitler. I've <laughs> very, ever heard. very confused person. Intellectually confused. <laughs> no, it, that's, like, that's the pull quote what, what for my camp I mean, on, on no, Amazon now. It's like, yeah, it's like. Aside, aside from, like, all of all these, the other stuff. The obvious yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that, <laughs> Portrait of an artist as a star. <laughs> um, I think Andrew kind of wanted to bring this. Like you mentioned, like the Nazis, and you mentioned kind of like the portrayal yeah. of Nazis as cartoon villains. I guess this is probably a nice springboard into that. Then is it? But they, 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 it, it's. Um, I mean, they, they, they are, um, and it is interesting because I, I think, um, I think the it kind of represents the. It, it's. I I I read a book recently that I'll, I'll I'll probably recommend, which kind of gets into the whole weirdness of this whole world of um uh, kind of fascist esotericism, um and 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 I think that that's the a, a, a kind of an interesting thing about this movie and the very Lucasness of it, but the the. The villains in these in these Indiana Jones movies, yeah, they're they're, um, if 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 that was your question, kind of they, they're they're not they're not they're not especially kind of like um, um well, they're cartoon Sunday morning serial villains. They're Republic serial villains. Like they're yeah, they would have gotten away with it all too if it wasn't for that meddling archaeologist. <laughs> well, there's that. Isn't there that classic argument that the whole thing would have happened with it, with or without Indy's involvement? That the Nazis still would have opened the ark and all died. <laughs> and if actually, maybe had they brought it to Berlin and opened it in front of Hitler, it might have been <laughs> yeah. better. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the famous Big Bang Theory episode. And again, it's it, that's a broader discussion about pop culture that we don't necessarily have time for. But like the the moment where I think Sheldon shows his fiance Raiders of the Lost Ark his favorite movie, and her response is, "Well, there's a plot hole with it, Indiana." Jones doesn't do anything of consequence that affects the outcome of the movie and it ends up with him having this big meltdown in Christ of Conscience because we live in the era where somebody would look at Raiders of the Lost Ark and go Indy has no imp- the protagonist has no impact on how the plot plays out that is a problem with the movie's fundamental storytelling man and it's like no no and, and but it's a whole deck of cards because then you look at Lucas's other movies <laughs> and you're like oh, no. <laughs> the protagonist has no impact yeah. on, 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 the, uh, the, on the, the larger story the big battle yeah. in, like in, in Return yeah. of the Jedi where all that stuff is happening simultaneously but no I mean I mean it's more to the point where I think that like it fits with that spirituality where like the, the idea that Indy has has no real outcome on what happens like this is a movie about a man discovering that god exists and works in the world if he has an effect on the outcome of the story it somewhat perhaps undermines that point um i think i think he looks away from it though yeah I, I, he does I, I feel look away. like like there, there there's a kind of a um 
wise (laughs) (laughs) reluctance to confront um the the kind of um divine then and and that that it's it's a kind of like an opportunity to um for uh indy to meet um his absent father (laughs) 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 that 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 he turns down for reasons of um, instant death. <laughs> um, <laughs> not quite ready for that Lucas level atonement with the father. It is still a Spielberg yeah. movie. Sorry. There is another. There is another absent father, of course. That yes. Yes. In, well, he's mentioned, but See. he isn't present, and he doesn't turn up until the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You know, the Marion's father, who is the was in these uh, lecture, was his 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 mu his his teacher. You know his. The Socrates to his Plato, or um, and so it's it's in, he's vitally important, and he betrayed Indy betrayed him as well, and so there is that whole thing of having to and going back and dealing with Marion and the, all of what happened with her is an atonement for him. So he kind of has to he has to come to terms with it, what he's done and how he. You know, and what made him the man that he is now, and he basically destroyed the life of a young girl and forced her. And the great thing about Marion's great character, because she is she has agency of her own, which is which is wonderful, which is destroyed in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> which is why I hate that movie beyond measure. Um, <laughs> Niall is our special guest for our Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode. Um, <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> It is worth, like, the, again, the Marion stuff is arguably kind of tied up in this whole weird, like, again, end of New Hollywood era stuff where it's like, let's throw something into the backstory of our male protagonist that's meant to make them seem a little bit edgy, but we don't want to lose the audience entirely. So it's like, how about... So he- like a Polanski. Yeah. How how about how about he has an affair with a teenager, which is again like it's what they do in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where they're like, we want this Jack Nicholson character to be like in prison, but we don't want the audience to turn against him. So how about he has an affair with a girl who's underage? And like here and again, there's an actual excerpt, but not a full child. Not yet. Yeah. Oh a, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's all, uh, always kind of like the same sort of, uh, gambit that worked in the kind of seventies and eighties when you're trying to establish that someone's not too bad. Yeah. Which is so creepy kind of, and, and odd, and hasn't aged yeah. well. I, well, uh, yeah, 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 very. Um, like the, anyway, no, no. I, I, I imagine nobody's trying to cancel indie. Um, or are they? Well, uh, oh, oh, I think people, they are. people get very, <laughs> okay. people get very defensive about indie, which we'll talk about when we talk about Temple of Doom. Um, I can imagine. Oh yeah, no, no. Well, yeah, again, I'm kind of cautious that we are in a bit Destroying of a time, our we, we are in a bit of a time block situation here, so we're not going to get to that. I, too I much. beg your pardon. But I Sorry. like in terms of Marion, there's a quote from the story conference which is very interesting and gets back to that whole saving Lucas from his worst impulses uh, thing, where Lucas says he could have known this little girl when she was just a kid. Had an affair with her when she was 11. And Lawrence Kasdan goes, and he was 42. And Lucas says, he hasn't seen her in 12 years. Now she's 22. It's a real strange relationship. And then Spielberg pauses and says, she had better be older. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, in terms of, yes, talking Lucas out of his worst possible ideas. It's like, like, how about no, um, first of all? Yeah. Well, no, and again, you have like Lucas come back to that in the Phantom Menace, where you have this relationship between Padme and Anakin, where he's meant to be like a teenager and she's meant to be in her thirties. Um, but obviously, that's less of an issue because Hayden Christensen is taller and older than like Natalie Portman. 
Um, but it's still something that, like, again, Lucas comes back to weirdly frequently. Yeah, I mean, at least Spielberg was a dad at that point. So I think he, that, that might have been why he, he was like, he was, his daughter was two and 78. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> Just going to stop you there, George. Um, <laughs> can we can yeah. not do yeah. <laughs> How about uh, no? Um, well, that, yeah. But again, like, the, there is this argument that runs through the Indiana Jones kind of movies about like Luke about sort of like Indiana kind of finding and reconciling a family like Marion like being the one who got away and then in like Temple of Doom you have him with a you know a surrogate wife and a surrogate kid and then in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull it's like oh yeah he has an actual kid with Marion as well which is kind of interesting um but uh is there anything else we're talking about anything that we haven't discussed already with Raiders of the Lost Ark anything jumping out at people a Nazi monkey um... <laughs> I love that Andrew's been sitting on that all podcast. It's like, yep, yeah, Nazi yeah, monkey circled dead. five times. Um, and he's a dead Nazi monkey, which is the best kind of Nazi, Nazi monkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and he spoils a whole bowl of dates, of, uh, dates by poisoning us. Bad, bad dates. Yeah. yeah. And you know oh. the Nazis are bad because they, they, they flick cigarettes where they don't belong. Yeah. There's like litter. In there. <laughs> they, they they haven't even oh. finished the cigarette, and they just throw it into a. Kind of, like, I I would add as well. Uh, it's it's easy to underestimate just how good Harrison Ford is in this part as well. And I know originally there's the whole thing about how it was maybe going to be Tom Selleck, you know, which which would have been, you know, it might have worked in its own way, but I see that I. Uh, yeah, uh, in some ways I can see it as well. But I, he, Harrison Ford, is is so so good in this role. It's particularly in this film as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know it's it's very easy to forget how well he pulls off things like the the sort of improvised gun, you know, to take out the the swords, the guy with the swords, due to dysentery, you know, which, which again, them. like. <laughs> yeah, that kind of laconic sort of you know throwaway sort of thing that. In, in other hands would have been felt like a cheap way of avoiding a fight sequence or whatever but he pulls it off just with the strength of his sort of deadpan charisma he's it's great it's really really good his performance Toshiro Mifune was actually a big influence there in terms of the character which is interesting and I think mm. Lucas originally was hesitant to cast Ford because he didn't want it to be like a Scorsese and De Niro or Kurosawa and Tofune type thing he didn't want to be seen as the guy who always works with uh, Ford which I find interesting as well um, sorry, Niall, what about yourself in terms of like Harrison Ford, in terms of Indiana Jones? Like how much of this is, how much of this is inseparable from Indy? Because like, obviously, like this is the project of Spielberg, Lucas and Ford. The three of them remain linked. The three of them have to agree to make all of the subsequent sequels up until uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Then they get bought out by Disney. So Lucas is out. Then Spielberg says, I'm out. Um, it's going to be Mangold doing the next one. Harrison Ford is then the core or the sole standard bearer of Indiana Jones. How much of it is is inseparable from Ford for you, Niall? And a huge part of it's inseparable from Ford, but I'm also perfectly fine with uh, with River Phoenix as the young Indiana Jones. I very much enjoyed the young Indiana Jones Chronicles that were on TV. It's possible to, it's absolutely possible for him to be recast. Uh, Indy is an is a character bigger than the actor, you know. So it is it is possible to do it, but a lot of what makes Indy great comes from Harrison Ford. A lot of what makes Indy relatable comes from Harrison Ford. And you know, like to any anybody else trying the line, it's not the years, it's the mileage, it's not going to work as well as 
you know, as when Harrison Ford does it, because he's he's a very relatable guy. He's he is an he's an everyman that you but he's all you can believe that he is capable of of like full on carpentry because yeah. he is or that he but that also that he w- could be a college professor you know the, the, it's it's not that he like you're like how in the name of god is you know Den- denise richards a nuclear scientist it's not that, that. <laughs> yeah yeah he he can be all things to, to all people President. And, you know and he's, he's devilishly handsome as well so that that yeah. helps you know? he has that kind of distant aloof quality though that that i imagine kind appeals as well if 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 um like if we're going if we're going ahead a bit for him being a a father figure who's kind of like cool but difficult to get close to i mean even here he's a teacher Um, although again in that kind of like 70s way he's he's so he's a hot teacher he's like you get that that (laughs) shot of like the class and it's all full of beautiful women sending him messages written on their eyelids uh because he's so hot (laughs) Look at him. Yeah, he is. He is. He's he's got that that great 70s body. What that yeah. 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 I I think he's got that effect, Harrison Ford, a bit like say William Shatner does with Kirk, Captain Kirk, or or you know, Sean Connery with James Bond, in that every subsequent person who plays that that role, which he's probably bigger than that actor, as you say, Niall, is always a little bit indebted to that actor and I think that will always be I definitely I know Spielberg has said you know there will never be a uh, an Indiana Jones project without Harrison Ford now or anything but you know once they're both passed away once they've both gone It'll, he'll absolutely be recast, and you know yeah, there's always Disney the talk about so... exactly, exactly. And there was all I mean, the talk they about said there, like they said there'd never be a solo apart from Harrison Ford, and look where we yeah. are now. Yeah, you know there isn't there wasn't a solo. <laughs> there was. <laughs> But they they talked about Chris Pratt, didn't they, and all these yeah. people, and they they would they would be fine, but th- but they would all be doing in some senses a bit of a Harrison Ford take, a bit like Chris Pine did with Star Trek, and uh, but which that's okay. I think that that's okay to have that sort of formative actor put something onto a character and sort of mould it into into a way that can then be um, certainly indebted to, if not if not completely mm. copied. It's great. It's a great thing. It's a Lucasfilm like Disney um, property. Um, they can just computer generate. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Forward, like, yeah. for, Deep know. faking, yeah. In terms yeah, yeah, of yeah. like just Ford's persona, <laughs> I think like what makes Ford work so well as Indiana Jones is is that thing that kind of like Andrew kind of alluded to there, where he's this kind of like grumpy, honorary old man, but he's he's a hugely charismatic actor who seems to almost resent being charismatic. Like if you look at like whenever whenever <laughs> Ford like goes yeah. and does like one for him, where it's like I want to do a movie now. Um, he does something like like Peter Weir's uh, Mosquito Coast, where he plays the most unlikable man in the history of cinema. Or he does like <laughs> What Lies Beneath with Robert Zemeckis, where it's like, by the way, Harrison yeah. Ford is a murderer. Um, and it's like, and that's, his la- like, that's his last leading role. That's like his last kind of like, I'm a star. I get to do one more of these. It's like, well, I want to play a murderer um, kind of thing. And it's like, okay, fine. You, you want to get that out there, Harrison. And I think that that kind of works with Indy where the character has this kind of like, he's he he would be immensely unlikable if he wasn't as effortlessly charming somehow, which is kind of incredible mm. about him. Sorry. Mm. but that And that is Bond. <laughs> that's fair um, yeah. yeah 
Yeah. Which again gets back to Spielberg yeah. wanting to make a Bond movie. Totally. All right, is there anything else we want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed with regards to Raise the Lost Ark? Anything jumping out of people? Any sequences? Any beats? Any characters? Any themes? Any ideas? Ben Burt and just everything that he did. Ben Burt should be put on a pedestal and, you know, he should be made like a into a god and worshipped for the sound of Indiana Jones for everything that he got he a did. special Oscar for it. Yeah. yeah, he got like a special award the year of it, which is is outstanding. It's extraordinary, and the stuff that he did. I mean, it's it's fo- it's pure foley. It's foley at, at its at its essence to to get all the things to make the sound of somebody being hit. He got a bunch of leather cuts and hit a baseball to make the snakes wriggle. It was him putting his hand through a casserole. I mean, come on! <laughs> and then he, he added the noise of a lion's roar to the engine to make the engine sound more menacing in the truck chase. The truck chase, of course, which took five weeks to film. Five weeks to film, and, and was shot mostly second unit. As Spielberg learned after working unit. on nineteen, yeah, yeah on fourteen, yeah. working on nineteen forty one, um, that like he didn't want to do second unit or model work, so he uh, put that out. Is it Michael Moore? Like not yeah. that Michael Moore, but that, yeah, I, I not, was that would be a very... the same thing. I was thinking, kind of, is, is this that Michael Moore? It's not. <laughs> no, it is not. That would be a very interesting like car chase where they pause and they, they say, the "Is the president here?" Space. Yeah. <laughs> can I talk? Indiana Jones sitting behind the wheel of cars, and can I speak to the Fuhrer? Is the Fuhrer here? <laughs> yeah, let me in. Um, sorry, no, I'll cut you off there. Apologies. No, no, it's fine. I mean, that the truck sequence yeah was being filmed parallel, like yeah. while they were doing the the, the yeah. scenes. In the airbase and all that stuff was <laughs> that was being filmed completely separately, which is absolutely astounding. I mean, it's a yeah. great use of resources to be able to get that. Well, that's that's how he got it in, like, ahead of schedule. He got it in 15 days ahead of what he had, like, put in. He said to Paramount, I'm hoping to come in ahead of schedule. And he ended up coming in, like, 15 days ahead, which is astounding on a movie that is this complex, this many moving parts, you know? Which is, is remarkable. And again, it's, it, I think it's just, it's an incredibly well-constructed machine, I think. 88 you know? days is, is a strange amount of time to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a, movie about, a movie about the Nazis. Jesus Christ, Andrew, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and we will, <laughs> we'll move very quickly away from that and just mention uh, Douglas Sulcombe's uh, cinematography. He'd done the work on, was it uh, Close Counts of the Third Kind um, with Spielberg, but his work here is beautiful it is a gorgeous movie to look at lots of again sharp contrast which again tie in thematically with that idea of it almost being a black and white movie where it's like there's a clear morality there's a clear right and wrong but characters are constantly shot in shadows i think he used nets in front of the camera to give it that kind of soft look you have this kind of framing this again it's it's just a gorgeous film to look at and like soderbergh said turn off the sound and just look at it it is it is gorgeous you can follow most of it uh, without dialogue, which is, I think Andrew would probably argue that's a problem with the movie. Yeah, uh, but I, I do think I, that it, I think the dialogue is bad. Um, really, yeah. it's got great lines. Like it has really good lines. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to relitigate. Okay, okay. It's hugely quotable. Yeah, yeah. They, and I, they use it. They do a, a dialogue dump brilliantly. They do an exposition scene like in the middle of it, and, and it's just. Glorious. Citizen Kane. It's a shot like Citizen where it's like standing up, sitting down, the angles telling you who's in charge in this or sequence. It, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's poorly written. I, I, I just find like a lot of the um dialogue kind of um dumb. Um um you know, like that it's not it's not especially clever. But the, but that's maybe maybe the kind of um 
value of it or or the uh, uh, strength of 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 the movie um is that it doesn't i guess try to be um if um if I want to sneak in something I didn't like, I don't know why I'm doing. <laughs> I should say the 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 um the uh, the dummy of um Satipo, um it go it goes from being like Alfred Molina to being a uh, Halloween <laughs> uh, uh dummy like immediately. Um, and they should have got Rob Button from Robocop. From Robocop. To, um, sorry, sorry. But it's a great movie. <laughs> People have already watched it. Despite, despite all, my, all my complaints. Yeah, yeah, despite yeah, all yeah. my complaints. I beg your pardon. Sorry. Um, yeah, shout out to Michael Kahn as well, of course. Long time for the Spielberg. Editing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he won the Oscar. He won an Oscar for this. He won the yeah. Oscar for this, right? Which is again and again really, really, really well put together. Um, and yeah, just is in terms of it as an eighties movie, arguably that back to basic black and white mortality morality kind of coming into play after Vietnam, perhaps, and as it being read as a response to Vietnam, perhaps as well. So that just in terms of situating it in a historical context. But right, also, think, yeah, but going back to when the Americans were the good guys in a war. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Unequivocally the good guys. Going back, going back to the myth. <laughs> yeah, but no, that, that's exactly, but that, that's it. It's it's that memory. It's that cultural memory of kind of like that, that idealism of the Second World War. Because Spielberg, like I would argue Sorry, Spielberg, by the way, I should be clear. <laughs> They were the good, were guys. The good yeah. guys. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I should be clear as well that that I'm not, I'm not a defender of imperialist Japan either. But the, um... <laughs> they just, they didn't deserve to be bombed. Yeah. I love that. I love that Andrew's big complaint is like the Nazis, the Nazis aren't humanized enough, and the Americans seem like the no, good they, guys. They're, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, yeah, sorry, sorry. They, as you said, all war yeah. is terrible. All of it. <laughs> yes. No. No. That. No. Yeah. No. I think people. Yeah, like, people get it, despite how facetious we're being. Exactly. Apologies. It's stuff like sorry. the firebombing of Dresden and the, as well. Yeah. And like. Oh, anyway. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, not a history all, all... podcast. I guess. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a movie. Americans podcast. were brilliant, except for those war crimes here, 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 here. Which luckily happened completely outside the context of Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right, so I think that about wraps it up, unless there's anything else that anybody wants to talk about, anything that we haven't discussed already, anything jumping out at folks. All right, then. So we normally have the we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners, something they're enjoying at the moment, something they want to share. So to give Niall and to give Tony a chance to think about this, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, I uh, It wasn't very recently, but I watched, I watched Predator. I thought it was a lot of fun, and it's very quotable. Um, but uh, but um, like it, I believe they call it a subtweet. <laughs> Unlike this movie, Predator was very quotable. No, no, no. I, they, they, I, 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 I can't think of any actual quotes from 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 the movie we just watched. But I'm I'm sure I'm I'm. It's not the years; it's the mileage. <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about when you said that. I'm, maybe I'm stupid. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, um, Jaws. I'm your goddamn partner. No, sorry. <laughs> this is going to be a disappointing exercise for you. On Do not continue. Um, the Jaws, um, as well as a as a Spielberg movie. Um, I'd like to plug. I won't plug any um, any um, Lucas movies because I don't really like his movies. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, 
a little like like uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi. Go for it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's, <laughs> wow. it's, it's fun. <laughs> That's the good one. Yeah. That's the good one. I like it. Uh, War like... War uh, War for Eternity was the book that I, that that I that I finished reading. Um, it's uh, written by a fellow Ben or um, Tiedelbaum, I think is his name. Who it's it's a really odd book because it's written by somebody with a background in um, ethnomusicology. So ethnographers are used to looking at uh, marginalized communities, but the community that he's looking at is the far right. There's a lot of focus on Steve Bannon, um, and um, but also people in um, Russia and uh, Brazil um, who kind of ideologues who are in the orbit of uh, like Putin and uh, Bolsonaro, but also the, 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 the kind of movement in places like Sweden and Hungary. And it's, it's really bonkers um, stuff. Um, and the, 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 the whole kind of idea of um, uh, traditionalism and fighting the kind of um, uh, uh, progress of, um, of modernity. I mean, it's 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 bonkers in the sense that um, there there is all of this kind of stuff that relates to the the um, this movie in 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 terms of like uh, the occult and esotericism and weird things like there there. <laughs> Well, Keck and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but it, like, like um, uh, psychokinesis and um, uh, to uh, telepa- telepathy, uh, but also the 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 idea of a, of a a hoped um, catastrophic end to the dark age that we find ourselves in, followed by a golden age of 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 like theocracy of these people, kind of believing in Iran as like the the you know the 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 greatest kind of hope for our civilization it's 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 crazy and it's very kind of all over the place yeah. and yeah i mean like again not not to get too too into the weeds because no. we we're already in the weeds on the weeds but things like the the like there are people on the far right in america who yeah. support israel because they believe that it will bring about the end of days yes yeah, yeah, they believe stuff that, like, like that. That's that's um, that's the reason why they support Israel. It's not because they support Israeli politics or policies or the Jewish people. It's because they believe that it will bring about a sequence of events that will lead to the rapture um, and the coming of of the second. Yeah, time. and and uh, this is support of Trump. Uh, uh, anyway, sorry, we we could go, we could get, but yeah, it's sorry, it's apologies. a fascinating um, book because it it kind of gets into the weirdness of. Um, of uh you know um present day um nazis because it, it it's kind of like all of these people when you confront them and say kind of like so are you a white nationalist there's a lot of emming and eyeing <laughs> like we're generally the answer to that question should be fairly straightforward or like are <laughs> yeah. you a fascist no are you a nazi are you the worst yeah. person imaginable it's like it depends what you mean by that <laughs> and um so yeah <laughs> i reject your classification if you do want um, to understand these sorts of people check out that book i i, I, I found it very interesting and it, it it's it's a kind of a journey of one person's kind of befuddlement, kind of in with the more he learns about this this this, this movement. What's the name of the book again? Uh, War for Eternity. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and it's a, it was a breeze. As as in, I I I I I listened to it fairly quickly. It was it was an audio book. I don't read good. 
<laughs> and, and Niall, what would you recommend for listeners? I, I, I'm bringing it back around. I'm recommending uh, Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. So basically, immediately after Raiders of Lost Ark came out in 1981, in the summer of 1982, a bunch of young lads in Missouri decided that they were going to remake Raiders of Lost Ark, shot for shot, despite it not being available on home media for another eight <laughs> years. Uh, <laughs> so they had to trawl through everything that they could find about the making of the film and to press clippings and all the rest and try and from memory try to make remake Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it is and this is the documentary made more recently about the making of the fan film of <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it is it is glorious. It has like John Reese Davies and everything interviewed in it, and it, you know it's it is it's on a lot of the streaming uh, or on the uh, video on demand platforms, the transactional video on demand platforms. It is available on streaming in some places, uh, Tubi in the US. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's well worth a watch just to see how much these kids loved Raiders and wanted to remake it themselves and. Yeah, it's 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 a, a wonderful look into the art of filmmaking as well on with no money. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like again, that idea of it arguably as a film school, like the idea of kind of Soderbergh using it as a film school, a way to learn how to make these things. Um, so cool. Oh, hold on, we because we're double booking these, we actually have an early arrival for the next podcast session. So guests will get a teaser of the guests who will be showing up next week. The wonderful Alex Towers may be joining us in conversation. Oh, amazing! Uh, but. Um, this is great. This is like when we used to record double back to back at the house, and people would Phil just show would up on time. <laughs> Phil would yeah. arrive randomly. Um, but Tony, what would you recommend for listeners? Uh, I'm going to stick with Harrison Ford and uh, go with The Fugitive from 1993 yes. because uh, I, I rewatched that recently. Because I'm uh, for another podcast on my uh, podcast network called Frame to Frame, uh, which takes a theme as and puts two movies together. We're doing my suggestion, which is films in which Harrison Ford points angrily. Uh, so, <laughs> he goes, give it up, pal, or you know that kind of thing. Get so, off my plane! Yeah, get off yeah. my plane! I know Air Force One was a possibility, um, but we went we went for uh, the fugitive where he goes, I didn't kill my wife, and uh, clear and present care. danger where he goes, you're going to jail, pal. You know that kind of thing. So yeah, exactly. I don't care, and it's a great film, it's fugitive, because it's if anything, he's overshadowed by Tommy Lee Jones as uh, Gerard. He did win the Oscar, yes. Yeah, he's so good in that film. Um, And to overshadow... one of the best lines in a movie. Yeah, totally. And to overshadow Harrison Ford in a film that is almost tailor-made for his persona um, is something else. It's just superb, that film. So well put together. So yeah, if you haven't seen The Fugitive in a while or ever, check it out. All right, and hey, Alex has joined us early for the next episode. They'll be joining us next week. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Not too bad. Good to see everyone. Hello. Any quick thoughts on Raiders before we wrap up on it? Um, I mean, I presume you guys have talked about. It. I I love Raiders. That's it's the you know it's the original one. It's fantastic. I think all the flaws we're probably about to get into with Temple of Doom <laughs> yeah. are kind of like yes, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, Temple of Doom is the sin eater of the franchise. I think is how it's best. Yeah, it kind of feels like, and I'm sure we'll get into this in the next episode. Like. There's a lot of like divorced dad energy in in Temple of Doom, and you know, like he's taking you on roller coasters you're too small for, and his new girlfriend's <laughs> annoying. And I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's when things are good. Like he's he's with your mom. Everything's going fine, you know. So yeah, I kind of think this is a, an interesting one to balance with Temple of Doom. But no, Raiders of the Lost Ark is fantastic. Loads of fun. 
Perfect. All right, then. Um, so we are wrapping up. Um, join us next week when Alex will be talking with ourselves, myself, Tony and Andrew about Temple of Doom. But before we go, Niall, where can we find you? Watch out online. Uh, you can find me at all of the different social media things if you search for Scanon. So it's S-C-A-N-N-A-I-N, which is the Irish word for movies. And uh, yeah, that's that's the best place to find me. And because we're always kind of like, again, this is one of the things where we're really proud that we get to have people who actually like do stuff uh, on the podcast. Not to insult Tony, Andrew and Alex here, but you you have a TV show that is actually like so Smother, which was on Irish television, but I believe it's going international. Yes, um, it, it will have, by time to say, it will have aired in the UK on Alibi and it should be, uh, it'll be on one of the major streaming platforms in the US in the not too distant future. Uh, I am head of uh, business and legal affairs and inward production at Treasure Entertainment, which is one of the Irish production companies. And yeah, we make feature films on TV. <laughs> yep, and Smother, awesome. can we, I can cut this out if we're not supposed to know, but Smother has a second season coming up, I believe. Smother has a second season? Yeah, no, no. As of time recording, we are uh, midway through the shoot. By the time this airs, we will be out the other side and in post. Uh, no, there, it is, uh, it's It's public knowledge. There's no issue there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hopefully a third season. Fantastic. That's the Killian Murphy um, thing about, I can't talk about Batman. There's a non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. <laughs> so you have a non-disclosure agreement. Damn it. Walk <laughs> into that one. Perfect. And Tony, where can we find you? Where are you at? Why you up to? Uh, mainly on Twitter at AJ Black Writer. And uh, you'll find what I'm doing on there. And then my podcast network, We Made This, which is uh, wemadethisnetwork.com. Um, and you'll find all the different shows that we're doing on there. So yeah, that's the best place to find Perfect. me. All right, then. So join us next week where we'll be continuing our Indiana summer where the wonderful Alex Towers, the fantastic Tony Black, will be joining us to talk about Temple of Doom, which is the only Indiana Jones movie which has never been on the 250. Uh, we'll, find out. we'll probably talk about why. <laughs> oh, when we get Crystal back. Skull. <laughs> yeah, Crystal Skull made the list style. Um, <laughs> uh, quick, quick, before Nile goes, Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull, which is the worst Indiana Jones movie? Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. No hesitation. Chris right. Skull doesn't doesn't exist. I, I <laughs> I'm Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumb are going. La, 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 la. <laughs> All right, take it easy, guys. We'll be back next week when we talk about a movie that definitely does exist: Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Take it easy. Thanks, Bye. Thank guys. you so much, now. Thank you, Tony. Bye.